One time I had a boyfriend and I lost a bet and I had to dye like half of my hair blue. Oh. And I was going to meet like someone that he knew, but I didn't know. And he was like, oh, this is going to be so funny. Like they're going to see your blue hair and they're going to just think it's weird because like I've never dated a girl like that before. And I'm like, oh, oh what do you mean a girl like that before? <laughs> well, oh. did you know that I listen to punk rock music a lot and that I love it? Here, let me play you some. And what do you think about this music? Do you think that oh, you could like it I'm too? I'm already getting intimidated <laughs> just listening to you. This is even real. And he was like, why are you doing this? He asked me that. And I'm like, I just need to know that you know that <laughs> wow, that's a people aren't the way you think they are. everybody welcome to no small thing the podcast dedicated to helping you live a less cynical and more curious life i'm scott and i am macy welcome to episode number 40 40 it's an enneagram episode is it a drum roll i think these are drum rolls wait um okay were you gonna say something (laughs) no i was gonna I was gonna hold my mic over by your hands and let you do like a real loud drum roll because oh. that was like an ASMR drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> it's in true eight. Oh, oh, drum roll. Enneagram eights. Enneagram eights. Eights, eights. The who are eights? Who are they? Bold, brash, strong, intimidating, intense, intense folks. Um, so if you didn't know, we love the Enneagram. And this week, we've been going through all the numbers. Every five episodes on this podcast, we do an Enneagram episode. So you found yourself smack dab in the middle of an Enneagram episode, everybody. Here you are. <laughs> um, we started with fours, went to fives, and then jumped to ones. And now we're all the way to eights. Oh, right. We're almost done with our full oh. journey of all the and numbers. we might start the cycle over. And probably. we'll probably start with fives again. Or should we do it properly and start with ones next time around? Something to think about. I'm not sure. We'll have to discuss this. (laughs) Um, Okay. So Enneagram 8s, they are a part of the body triad. So if you didn't know this, folks, the Enneagram is nine parts, although within the nine, almost always there's these like pockets of threes always Mm, found in the Enneagram. So the numbers, the numerology is very fascinating Mm. to me. But Enneagram 8s are right to the left of 9s, and they're part of the body triad, which consists of 1s, 9s, and 8s. And the emotion most associated with these numbers is anger. Woo! Anger, And 1s and 9s especially would would not know what you're talking about. Well, uh, What do you mean anger? A 1 is... I don't have any anger. Their anger is held in their bodies as resentment. When was the last time you saw me angry? As a That's one. That's what a one would say. A one, yeah. A one would say that, but then I could come back and say, all day you're walking around with a little bit of anger. You're they, holding they're back. Re- they're repressing it, and they're not acknowledging it themselves, typically. No, but people can time. often see it around them. Yeah. So ones, their anger is held as resentment. Nines, now they, you would not see their anger. This is like fully suppressed anger. They mm. completely deny that emotion, hide it, pretend it's not there, but until every up. once in a while... The big bear comes out of nines. <laughs> now, the, the nines have been called the the tea kettle when it comes to anger. Ooh, like like it's it's bubbling up, it's bubbling, and all of a sudden, burr, 
you know, like, there they go. Eights. Eights. Now, eights. Just walking around angry. They are walking around with that anger on their sleeve. Yes. It's, it's right just, on the surface. It's who they are. They're not denying their maybe anger. Maybe the most angry. Maybe the visibly angry. Yes. And I would like to make a quick note here about anger. Oh. I personally have always felt a need to, like, suppress anger. So I'm a four, and I'm very emotional, but I've always been like, anger, angry is bad, blah, blah, blah. And I think Mm. we often associate anger as, like, a negative thing. Mm. But I don't think we should. Mm. Anger is a good, positive emotion. It just is an emotion. And eights model anger for us. They they wear it out loud. They don't hold back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They just assert themselves. They are aggressive with it, but I think it's a real gift that they offer. Yes. Because most of us, yeah, in health probably, most of us, all the other numbers, aren't giving ourselves permission to feel that. Mm-hmm. And eights are so confident in themselves that they give themselves permission to I just agree. act and be. There's something very honorable, I think, about that. Yeah, I think it's not just a Macy thing. I think it's like a society thing. For yeah. some reason, society has told us anger is inappropriate. Yeah. I guess it is what you do with your anger. Like if I'm sitting here across the table from you and I say, I'm really angry with you right now and I'm raising my voice and I'm getting a little intense. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I would like to think that relationships have, I guess, maybe designated or created their own sense of rules of play. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. the relationship n- makes space for anger. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you, I, I know that you are going to be able to listen to me be angry. Yeah. And you're not going to be like, how dare you get angry at me? It's like, wait, what do you mean? That's a natural part of life. Mm-hmm. Like, we definitely make room for sadness. Well, uh, we think it's virtuous to make room for sadness. Do we? I think I think that's what we're all trying to be, like, the types of people that are, if somebody starts crying, you're like, oh, I'm so sad, you're sad. That's sad, you know. But we shut down anger. We don't make space for it. I think it really just depends on the space. Mm-hmm. I think that may- there maybe are... Maybe we're not good with sadness either. I think there are some... Well, you're going to cry places you're crying i know for me growing up i think anger probably would have been thought of as more appropriate than sadness these emotions happen everybody why is happiness so acceptable yeah why is happiness (laughs) so acceptable i mean is anyone actually ever happy yeah it's making me think of uh is it in and out what is it the movie inside Inside out Out. yeah Mm -hmm. inside out and how joy is obviously very accepted but sadness isn't Mm -hmm. but these emotions are real Mm -hmm. I, i guess the thing that that make I think about with anger is that it it could um it could hurt in, in mm-hmm. terms of like anger could lead to physical violence, it could lead to insults that truly cause harm. Mm-hmm. So that it, that in the in that sense it's not great. Obviously. Yeah, and I know from like my own personal experience, I'm a sensitive little baby. So when people <laughs> get angry, I know that I can yeah. very quickly because like I don't have space for anger probably in my life and I'm trying to cultivate more, I naturally like shrink when I see anger or I naturally like I would, when someone's angry, it doesn't make me angry. It makes me like feel small and bad. Mm. And so I think people respond differently, but anger is one of those emotions that it's big. It's a big emotion. Um, Yeah. I mean, I I just like to think that it should be it should be an acceptable emotion and something that is welcomed into the room and maybe maybe if that's the case it's not going to be as 
toxic. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Although, man, it just puts you in some precarious situations because then it's saying like in an abusive relationship, it's up to the person to make the abuser feel comfortable. Anger is tough. Anger is tough. But I, I agree with what you're saying. Like it's it's definitely teach me how to be a little bit more comfortable with my anger mm-hmm. and, comfortable, and how it's useful. Yes. It can be useful. Yes. And beyond anger, eights, eights are considered to be the most self-confident of all the numbers mm-hmm. on the Enneagram. One thing that, one characteristic of eights that I deeply admire. So you guys might hear this. I don't know if I said it during that interview. I I'll may have know. a favorite number. Oh yeah, yeah. You you, you 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 get around. You beat around the bush, and I think then towards the end, you kind of come out and say it. And it may be eights. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not quite sure favorites are ethical, but eights <laughs> are confident folks. Yeah. These are people who walk around, and walk into a room and feel just instinctually that they belong, mm-hmm, that there's mm-hmm. room for them, mm-hmm. and that their voice matters. I don't think any other number is quite in that space. That eights are in. Yeah, that's true. I, I I I don't know if it's ethical to have a favorite number, but I'd probably lean towards fours being my favorite. Wow. I like creative types. I like <laughs> I like the creativity that fours bring to the world. The sadness. I like <laughs> I like to be around uh, a little bit more of a internal, quiet, reflective type of person. Hmm. Hmm. So fours obviously tend to be that way. Yeah. They tend to not be intimidating, honestly. Hmm. In eights are. Yeah. For my taste, maybe maybe a, maybe y'all. like a, a an emotional, you know, uh, st- like a let's see, what am I saying here? Like a four that's emotional and kind of standing in the corner, being all, you know, quiet and standoffish might be intimidating to some people. Mm-hmm. But that's the type of person that I'll probably go talk to. Mm-hmm. You know, an eight walks in the room, busts open the door. Hey, here I am. I'm like, ah, oh boy. Mm-hmm. They've got uh, a lot that of person energy. Seems really interesting, but um, it's going to take a lot to get me to go over to that person and talk hmm. like I'm intimidated. Hmm. Yeah, you know? I would, I would agree. Eights are, I am really drawn to eights energy, I think, but I'm also really intimidated by them. Oh, oh, but they can still maybe be your favorite from afar. They're like, almost, wow, look at that person's power. I think they kind of are. It's more of like an allure to me, huh, these eights, huh. because eights again are so confident. They speak what's on their mind. And I, admire that mm. so much yeah i do too that it it draws me towards that and i think it's like a breath of fresh air sometimes mm. um and eights are energetic what's eights controlling all this uh energy and anger and power like what's that eight's core fear oh well their biggest fear is that they're they don't have control of themselves in the room like yeah. eights care about control they want to make sure not just it's less that they want to be in control, but like Don't nobody control. can control me. Yeah. Is like an eight's natural instinct. Um, and eights, when we think of the Enneagram, we think of childhood wounds. And when we get, we talk about this a bit in the interview, but eights from a young age have felt they needed to grow up fast. Mm-hmm. They, they needed to be the strong one, the resilient one. They couldn't show their innocence or vulnerability. Ooh. So they've then cultivated a personality where they are just themselves abrupt powerful dynamic wow they're all of these things but it's because they're suppressing they're almost like their inner child mm, they're suppressing their vulnerability mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah 
eights. They're fascinating. Man, and you know, folks. as a five, I can. That's where I can really relate to eights. And, mm-hmm. and the, another one of the triads that we talked about here is the stances. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we've actually even talked about it here, but um, in terms of fours, fives, and nines are Drawing. withdrawn. So I think fives. And maybe you relate to this, too. Like, I also have a strong desire to not be compliant Mm -hmm. or to not be controlled. Mm -hmm. But the way that plays out is I'm leaving all the time. Mm -hmm. I just don't participate. I'm not going to try to reclaim power over a situation. I'm just like, oh, but. All right, I'm going to back away. Which is, uh, but I think my general stance on most things is non-participatory. Because I'm just judging everything and I don't want to participate in somebody else's agenda. Oh, so I'm fascinating. Just like, no, not doing it. Where an eight would come in and be like, oh, well, we're, we're not do doing this. Agenda. Here we go. Yeah. Bam. Deal yeah. with it. <laughs> Eights are really powerful. Uh, Beatrice, Chess- Beatrice Chestnut quote I love is that eight's superpower is superpower. Ooh, Isn't good that one. Good? Beatrice Chestnut, yeah. But that's really what they, they offer is they're super powerful and they bring life and intensity and energy. Mm. Whoa, to a situation. Goes, uh, an ambulance or something, yeah. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Eights. Well, okay, so w- this is supposed to be like a bit of an intro. Yeah, welcome We're, welcome to the episode. We'll give you a quick inf- outline. Yeah, there's some information about eights. We have some guests on today. Two, that two eight guests. Two eights. Um, last time we had two men, mm-hmm. two middle-aged white men talk about being sevens. This mm-hmm. week we have two younger women yeah. talking about which okay this is a side note our last episode was the most i think our episodes really reflect the numbers in the tone of the episode yeah so our seven episode was just like a big laugh and so fun (laughs) and this is a a very good interview but it's not it's not like super funny it's more it's intense it's intense there's There's some some intense stories but it's not it's not it doesn't feel as light as Mm -mm. the seven one did Mm -mm. um yeah so we're interviewing two different folks the first one, you know, that's another thing too. Is like the sevens kept going off track and just oh. a little joking. We had it had a hard time getting them back to the topic. Like Hannah and B- Rebecca, we're about to introduce in a sec. We're just sort of focused and be mm-hmm. like we're talking about this. I have my story. Let's stay on track. You know, like isn't yeah. that interesting? It is very. interesting. We didn't need to get them off. They didn't go off topic. No, you know, no, they meandering and joking, and there were some jokes, but <laughs> yeah. So they're fun people. Both <laughs> Anna and Rebecca are fun. Well, and eights are really fun, vivacious people. Yeah, eights totally. are a lot of um, energy. Their passion is lust. They have mm-hmm. a lust for life. They mm-hmm. they crave intensity. They mm-hmm. crave everything to be the best it can be, the biggest it can be. Like they want to jump all in. I grew up with an eight father, so I <laughs> I fully understand. And he, he accepts that. I think you he keep, does. You talk about him as an eight a lot. I don't know if he's. I, okay, that. I perceived my dad as an eight father, and I think he and still do, and I still do. Um, I I think I think okay. I'm right on okay, this fair one, enough. and I think he would agree okay. if he would agree to the enneagram. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to be controlled by the enneagram. He doesn't want to be controlled. Okay, by who the are enneagram. our guests? Okay, so we have Hannah Kais, who is a senior in high school at our youth group. Mm-hmm. So Hannah. Kind of our first youth on the podcast. Our first youth, and she's about. been advocating. You got to get youth on the podcast. Yeah. So we were like, "Well, how about it be you?" Yeah. Um, and then Rebecca, who Scott and I both know because we worked with Rebecca. If one thing you know about our Enneagram episodes, it's we've got a lot of interns. Yeah, they from just our church. Come. Katie. Um, and so Macy. Katie, Matthew, 
Yep. McKaylee's worked at our church. Daniel. He'll, um, he'll be here eventually. He'll be here eventually. So <laughs> Rebecca worked with Scott and I, and we didn't talk about this much, but Scott is a five. I am a four. Mm-hmm. And before we had worked with Katie, who's a two, so an energetic type that kind of gets things done. And Rebecca. Very sweet. Very sweet. Yeah. Um, and that was a good dynamic. It's just Scott and I. Can a be a sometimes odd dynamic, and <laughs> that we're both just sitting around withdrawing. <laughs> we're both like we're not super action oriented. Yeah, we didn't have an activator, Mm-mm. and we needed an activator. Yeah. And Rebecca, as an eight, served as the one of the most compelling activators. Mm-hmm. It was Big so um, helpful. Yeah, for us as a team to have her energy. So it was such a gift to have her. She FaceTimed in for us because yeah. she now lives in the Bay Area. Um, so she and faced him. I think it was, a, I think it's a wisdom of the Enneagram thing. Like they have these phrases that some of these ni- numbers say mm-hmm. typically. And then I think an eight number is where's the juice. Where's the juice. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I think that's a Rebecca vibe, like coming in, like, come on, let's go. Where's the juice. Mm-hmm. Let's get pumped. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, Bring in that. And then Hannah as a youth group kid, she's been in the youth group with me for almost four years now. And she in, has definitely played the role of, like, the challenger. And mm-hmm. I really like cultivating an environment with our kids where they feel like they can talk back and ask questions. And many of the kids don't take me up on that. They're, they're, they don't really care. They're kind of, who knows? Yeah. Who knows what each person is up to in their own r- mind. But Hannah definitely is, at any moment she's had an opportunity, comes up and challenges me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Argues, wants to argue philosophy theology spirituality but whatever it is argue about the game we're playing what decision we've made about how we're structuring our day on a mission trip she has questions she has pushback (laughs) yeah yeah which in terms of the name and and, and i love that about her i've always loved that about her i don't want to be like oh this annoying kid and i guess we've had her on the podcast now no like we love it it's it's a really good quality Mm -hmm. Um, very valuable i mean she calls me out a lot mm -hmm. she's like that was a dumb decision you know i'm like oh Eights keep okay. it real. They cut yeah. to the chase. They keep it real. Which is very refreshing. Isn't that refreshing? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm saying I'm intimidated, but I, I also love that. I, I don't yeah. have to guess. It's especially in terms of like a work environment, I can see how it is incredibly beneficial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, everyone's got their positives and negatives that they bring. What we posted about, I think we posted about how each number manipulates. Yeah, how and does eights manipulate? Fours make people walk on eggshells. I think it's dominating. Dominating? That sounds like an eight thing. So that's that's its own version of manipulation, like mm-hmm. getting total control over somebody or mm-hmm. a situation. That's just its own form of manipulation to a certain extent. Well, and a common phrase you hear with eights is almost this idea of might makes right, oh, which right, they right. could easily fall into this category of if an eight confidently says something, I usually go along with it because they say it so confidently and with such gusto that it's like, well, of course they're right. Yeah. But, but I don't know. Sometimes they just charge into things and claim things because <laughs> they always think that they have the right to make a claim. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, which is beautiful and yet can be very, like, has to be preceded with caution. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So, so it's a good interview. I just we, we should let you know just so you're prepared. We FaceTimed Rebecca in and we're still getting our bearings when it comes to our tech. Mm-hmm. So we it's decent. It's a good it's a good sounding episode. Rebecca sounds good. I think uh, I think we can make improvements in the future. I think halfway through 
you'll start to hear like some very subtle white noise in the background, like some fuzzy white noise. Hmm. It's consistent, so it's not like glitchy. Mm-hmm. And I, my hunch is Macy won't even notice it when she listens to the episode, but I get really picky <laughs> and it kind of bugged me, but uh, it, everything's discernible and listenable. We're a young podcast and we're working towards always having better sound quality. Yeah. So, you know, this is, this is our best. We, we've done some of the work to make sure this is at least from what we have in terms of equipment, the best sound quality you could get from a FaceTime yeah. interview. Yep. Um, so we hope you appreciate it. We work really hard to make it the best it can be for now. Yeah. We're baby podcasters. Maybe the last thing we'll say is rate and review us on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to do a call to action probably this week. Yeah. Um. <laughs> is that even worth saying? I can keep that out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Say it in a different way. Yeah. Should we quickly outline what Oh, right, get? right, right. Sure. So we had Hannah and Rebecca here, and we'll, we gave a brief overview of kind of who the eights are, but in the conversation, we talk a lot more in depth on who eights are, and we hear from Rebecca and Hannah. You'll hear a bit about their journeys, how they first discovered the Enneagram, when yeah. they discovered they were eights. Um, then Maybe if you're the type of person that still is new to the Enneagram, it might be helpful to hear about how they got into the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what led them to it. And then we talked, we did some readings. We read some things from the Sacred Enneagram as well as, I think, the Wisdom. And we read one from Enneatype Structures oh, by Enneatype Structures, which Naranjo. Okay, it was supposed to be a call-out to eights, and then it, it very it quickly force. turned out to a call-out of fours, and I have thought deeply about it <laughs> ever since. Supposedly, Revenge. fours are the most hateful of Vindictive. all the numbers. Yeah. Ooh. Oof, what does that mean? <laughs> it's probably true. Um, <laughs> so we do some readings, and then, you guys, for the first time ever on our podcast, we kind of try and explain the instinctual variants, mm-hmm. which if you are interested in the Enneagram and haven't heard of the instinctual variants, this is a really fascinating layer to the Enneagram that yes. has enriched my understanding and w- my hope would be that it would enrich yours. We discuss a b- in brief what the instinctual variants are and how they affect kind of all the types, but then mm-hmm. we get more specific and talk about it in terms of e- the eights. Yes. Um, and so Rebecca and Hannah both respond with what instinctual variants variant they think they are which was really interesting mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. because very different while we are different eights while our personality is shaped by our number and like how we have seen the world through our number it's also shaped in terms of our instincts yep so that's another layer to it and then y'all we got a rubination on an enneagram oh, yeah. episode oh yeah reuben, reuben comes in hot with a rubination it's a good one so that's that's coming, and then at the end we do a nice, sweet discussion on innocence yep. and some emergence of essence. And I think we close with the Enneagram Eight song from uh, <gasps> Sleeping at Last. Yes, which is such a good song, everybody. Yeah. So a reason to stick around to the very end. Oh, there it is. I hope um, you guys enjoyed this interview. It was really fun. You also don't have to listen to a podcast all at once. We know this is a long episode, but people keep saying it's. No, people don't keep saying, actually. Most people like the long episodes. But some people would say, you got to keep it short because I can't listen to it in one setting. You can listen to it in multiple Multiple settings. settings. You can listen to this intro, pause it, come back tomorrow. Yeah. Listen to this other stuff. Listen to some of the interviews. Um, I think, especially when we're talking about something like the Enneagram, something that is so personal as well as complex, it's a disservice sometimes to try and shorten it. Oh, I totally agree. Um, and totally. one thing that we're really about and why we do interviews when we're doing these Enneagram numbers is we want to 
honor each person's number. So it's important to us that we give space and time to talk through all the different facets that come with each number. My biggest hope would be that if you're an eight out there listening, that you feel understood. Hmm. Maybe you learn something about yourself. Hmm. Well said. And that maybe you could hear yourself in Hannah and Rebecca, and that might just be comforting. Nice. Yeah, nice we want to wanna create space in this podcast for long, t- long form reflections. But then we hope, like we said at the beginning, we're 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 hoping to in, inspire you to live a less cynical, more curious life. That's what we're trying to do. So. Uh, hopefully you're also able to create f- spaces for the long form discussions on mm. these types and personalities in your own life. Snaps to that. Yeah. Don't, don't rush someone along, Mm-mm. you know, when you're trying to talk about these things. This is no small <laughs> thing. <laughs> Good. True. Okay. Anything that's else? It. I think that's it. Hey, we, we, we are appreciative of Hannah and Rebecca. We had so much fun. We are huge fans. Hope you guys enjoy hearing all about their lives. Yep. Have fun. Rebecca's here. Here we are in the house. In his house. We're going to start with the eight journey. We like to start with journeys, typically, Mm -hmm. if it's possible. Even if we're talking about a musician that we like, we talk about our journey discovering the musician. Yeah. Like, how we, how, what brought us to this place of saying, this is no small thing? I don't know why we did it that way. But it's our thing. We're going to do a journey. So, Um, so we have Rebecca and Hannah in the house. Who wants to start? It's going to be a fight. You can start. Oh, okay. Man. No, Rebecca, you should start. <laughs> Deferring. I, oh, I, somebody's going to control the start. You, you start because I'll, things you say will help bring up things I can think about and then say. Okay. Um, so in terms of the Enneagram, so I lived for a year in Kyrgyzstan, and there's not much to do there uh, at night <laughs> or, or in the winter. And so I actually got, like, really into taking – like BuzzFeed quizzes and things. Uh, And then (laughs) at one point, I think like an Enneagram one came up and I just remember that it said I was an eight. Cause as soon as you guys said, well, now I'm getting ahead of myself. So it said I was an eight and I read all the things about an eight and I'm like, yeah, this is already things I know about myself. So whatever this test is BS. It was probably just like, (laughs) it um, predicted me. It's BS. (laughs) Yeah. It's not that that hard to guess that from my answers. Yeah. It's it's like Um, a fortune teller or something. (laughs) (laughs) And so then the first time I came to talk to you guys, um, after Scott hired me, I like sat down in the office and you guys just were like, you know, let's get to know you. Let's take this <laughs> test. Oh my <laughs> my head so much. I was like in between classes. And so it was just an hour of you guys like reading me these questions and trying to figure out. And then it said I was a three and oh, you yeah. guys are just like, no, you're not a three. Oh, dang and it. that's when I remembered actually that I'd already done some, that I'd already like read about this. Cause I was like, no, like, I feel like I know I'm not a three but I'm not a three. <laughs> um, 
And then you guys just kept talking about it. Um, I don't. Do you guys want me to say something about how I I know I'm an eight or yeah. like sure. the beginning or of like, that? What, yeah. What were some of the What were some of the first signs that you knew, or some of the things that you heard that resonated? Um. Well, I'm not sure I would agree with this, but my whole life, people have told me that I am a very aggressive person. <laughs> um, and that. I am not really like afraid. I just, I don't really shy away from things. I I really like to step up and be in the front and like be like (laughs) controlling of things. (laughs) And that's always something that um, people have said. And I guess, I mean, like, it's kind of true. I like played goalie my whole life in every sport that I did. And I loved the part where I got to tell all of my teammates what to do. And I was really good at it too. Like I knew, <laughs> I knew that person needed to slide back and they oh, would yes. listen to me and it was great. Um, <laughs> Cause people have to listen to the goalie. They do have to listen to the goalie. And that was like the greatest thing ever. <laughs> um, but growing up, I think that if you had given, like you guys had talked to me about it three years prior, it would have seemed, maybe I would have seemed a lot more like a three or like something else because I think growing up, I was definitely a lot shyer. And if I had to type some of my friends, which I know you're not supposed to do, um, but I'm going to do it do. anyways. We're all doing <laughs> it. Yeah. You're supposed to, we're not. Um, I would say that the majority of them, at least the ones I hung out with at school, they were definitely eights. And I was like the, the most mild of all the eights. Mm, really? Um, hmm. And there was a definite... Yeah. And there was a definite turning point, I think, in like how I reacted to the world around me in 2016 and like how I kind of Mm. viewed myself in relation to the world um, in 2016. And so that kind of brought me out and made me a lot more like the upfront and forward and will say what I what I think whenever I think it kind of person that you guys know. That is the person we know. That is 100% the first one. Yeah, really it was a lot different before that. Hmm. Not a lot different, but, like, I noticed the change. Hmm. And I think that a lot of people around me noticed the change also. Wow. Uh, uh, maybe a more confident, comfortable, stronger Rebecca kind of wow. emerging. Is that what you're saying? Um, Not confident. Angry? But like angry. Resilient. Definitely. Mm. Angry and resilient, definitely. Um, well, let's, uh, okay, well. Um, Should we now hear from Hannah? We're going to hear from Hannah now, Hannah's journey uh, with the eight. Okay. Uh, how about you, Hannah? Um, let's see. Talk close to your microphone. Like, okay. like me. This okay. is such a funny setup. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're very close to Hannah right now yeah. because we're trying to see Rebecca in the FaceTime, <laughs> and we're sitting literally physically it's in the room funny. with Hannah right um, next to her. Like side by side. Yeah. Yeah, just trying to paint the picture. And Ruben um, is going around. He's got a, a little ponytail. Yeah, it's a, nice. A forehead ponytail. He's, he's trying, trying to do his work. We stole his lamp. We stole his lamp. That's so funny. The lighting was bad in here. We moved his lamp. It's really thrown off his mojo. Okay. Sorry, everybody. Um, okay, Hannah. Okay, let's see. Um, well, when did I first know I was an eight? Yeah. Or just when did you first encounter the Enneagram and what was it? Okay, I'll start with that. The first time I encountered the Enneagram was um, I go to the youth group 
the Edge that Scott and Macy have participated in. Scott's the youth director there. Um, and my brother Daniel is a, he's a like leader there and he lives at home with me and my parents. I'm 18 actually, so that's cool. A youth on the podcast. Yes. Yeah, um, young people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so my brother Daniel came home one night and he was like, man, like, well, it wasn't one night, but like at one point he came home and was like, there's this new thing, <laughs> new thing called the Enneagram. Oh, it just came out. Um, <laughs> just in, and uh, it's like this, like how he described it, like how it was described to me and my parents was it's similar to a personality type. Um, and they're like nine different types um, of just like methods of coping with the world. Mm. Mm. Um and how people, how those nine people encounter the world. Um, and he was like, and we all took this test because uh, the people at the church thought it'd be a good idea to see how it, does really it sound would work like for we're everyone. Get him, like <laughs> recruiting people for a cult or something. <laughs> it really does. Sorry, everybody. Were you not? We're more low-key now. <laughs> we are significantly more I mean, we're, we're doing a whole podcast. About it, which is more high key, but yeah, but <laughs> in real life, I would around. not. Be it's as about awareness, though. I, I would think. Yeah. Well, and in the beginning stages, it's really hard not to be like, "I have found this tool. I yeah, want to we share so it with pumped. my friends." So yeah. Um, all right, Hannah. Um, and so, uh, my brother was like, "You guys should all take it," and we we're all kind of like, "Oh, okay." I was pretty interested, but I had homework to do, so I didn't do it that night. But like later down the road, I took it, and I got so many different answers. Mm. I took the eclectic Enneagrams one where mm -hmm. it has the, like, it tells you which types you're most likely to be. And my top ones kept switching between, like, two and one and, like, six and three. Eight was at the bottom. Mm. Um, this is so interesting. Interesting information. <laughs> it shows that the tests are semi-worthless. Oh, okay. Semi. But sure. No? Agree? I can't read Macy's facial expression. Uh, I don't <laughs> think semi-worthless. They're good the starting test, point. Yeah, the test at least, like, I On would... On a scale of one to ten of worth, <laughs> what do you s give a test? <laughs> I would give it, if I'm really taking this seriously, Yeah. I would give it, it a five <laughs> oh, in, in okay. that it's... It now, I would agree with you, and a, a five, I would say semi-worthless. So it just shows how we all think differently in our heads. That's like true. half half glass empty, yeah. half glass half worthless. Full. Half Wait, then what would a, what would a three be? What would a three be? A third. Worthless. Oh, uh, nearly worthless. <laughs> <laughs> Two thirds worthless. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is a good conversation. Um, can we're gonna, I explain we're gonna why title it's this episode "Semi Worthless <laughs> Enneagram <laughs> Test." <No. laughs> the eight semi worthless. <laughs> no, no, no. No. All right. No. Go ahead, please. please well, I don't know if people even care. They but do. I think, oh, I think no. they have worth in that it gives you. It's like partially fun and appeals to like okay. people in the sense of like it's taking a, a test track. but i also think it has worth in it makes you dig into reading about like especially yeah. when it gives you your top three i appreciate that instead of it naming just one because it gives you at least a starting point mm. which i think once you begin reading about any of the numbers you my inclination is to be curious about all of them, and my hope would be that people would be curious about all of them after starting with one. Mm. So it might be your foot in the door Not to reading really about true one. Typically, though, 
I don't people know. take the test That's and the they thing. move on. That's the thing. Uh, most of my, f- well, okay. This is me after we'll like. Get back to your journey. Okay. Well, talk closer we'll, to we'll, we'll, talk <laughs> 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 we'll talk don't about that. I'm, I'm the challenger. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm hey, trying hey, to be eight. Don't tell me what to do. Okay. I'll get back to my journey. Um. So anyways, I took that test and it was, it gave me a whole slew of answers and I, I took it like a few times and the answer that I got more consistently than other numbers was a two. Mm. So I was like, mm. I'm a two. two health. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yeah, that that makes sense to me. No, it goes to an eight goes to two in health and integrates. Yeah. You go to two in stress. That's oh, what he was saying. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, so I was like, I'm a two. And then one time I busted into like a leader meeting that Scott was having with all of the other leaders of the of the edge and um, they were talking. The inner sanctum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> the Enneagram inner sanctum. The the cult. Yeah. Um. <laughs> we're kidding. <everybody. laughs> I hope you know that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I was. They were talking about the Enneagram, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm a two. And then Scott and Macy and like all the other people like educated at that time no. in the Enneagram were like, <laughs> "Ah ha, ha, no, you're not. You're an eight. You're <laughs> <laughs> so unethical. I repent. I repent. <laughs> and so not to do, yeah. everybody. So um, not to do it. And so then uh, Scott like whipped out like a book or something and just like Jeez. read like the description of what an eight was. And I resonated with all of it. And okay. he just kept reading and reading. And I was like, no, wow. no. And I just kept, I screamed no multiple times. Oh you gosh, responded in an eight really way. <laughs> That's the thing. I responded in an eight way. It's, I think I can especially look back and think of like where we were in our journey and how much I do think eights of any number are maybe the easiest to type by like being but around don't do them. It. Also, mm-hmm. it's easiest, but don't, don't do, do it. it. But it's like, <laughs> I can see us all being like so excited in this moment of like, no, Hannah, like, give <laughs> this confident, wonderful eight, you know? Yes. Wasn't yeah. it like on Shasta and it was both Hannah and Claire were like, you can't put me in a box. Was, well, that <laughs> was ultimate. That was late. That was, boxes. it was like a year ago that this happened. Yeah. So that was like a fat minute ago, but that also did happen. On Shasta. <laughs> uh, so. Let me do a side note speech. Soapbox speech. Now, this is a new soapbox. So oh, nobody's heard me do this box. before. I've alluded to it. <laughs> We've been alluded to it. <laughs> but we really shouldn't type people, everybody. It's mm-hmm. un- it's uh, it's unethical in the Enneagram. Uh, I'm even trying not to do it in my head, which is impossible almost. But it's, yes. uh, but uh, this whole thing, if somebody says, it's a very intimate journey, and we want to encourage people to take the intimate journey, mm-hmm. which is why I would say tests are semi optimal mm-hmm. in the sense that like it robs you of the intimate journey yeah i was gonna say i was like trying to, not trying but i was someone was curious about the enneagram at like a family i was with recently and i was trying not to type them in mm. the moment because they were like what type do you think i am and it was so hard to like resist oh, that so i did somebody lean, asked me that this morning i leaned to a test because i was like well, <laughs> this will at least put us in the ballpark. And then even getting the numbers, I was like, that's interesting. I didn't think you would test that way. And so because I had some knowledge, we could then have a conversation. Mm. And that helped. So mm-hmm. maybe it's a six worth oh. test. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh. Hmm. we're getting out okay. of the semi. Well, <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so that was like my experience of being introduced to the Enneagram. Um, but I think like the moment that I, quote unquote, knew that I was an eight, 
um, or something I could look back on as being like, wow, yeah, I'm an eight, um, <laughs> was back in like seventh grade. Ooh, um, yes, a seventh grade story. Yes, uh, half my lifetime ago. No. <laughs> um, True. Maybe, oh, maybe. Not seventh Who knows? grade. Okay. Anyways, um, uh, so like after lunch, um, we would have to go up to like the third floor or something of my middle school building, and um, there was just so many bodies on the stairs and I was like, I'm small, so it's just, it's really hard to get up the stairs, and you have to, but you have to walk behind everyone, and then you get stuck behind everyone, and you can't go fast, hmm. and so my friend at the time, well, we just lost contact, um, she was like, Hannah, you have to be assertive, like, assert yourself, and she's a basketball player, so she, like, knows how to, like, like bob and weave, um, so she would just, like, kind of find the empty spaces and she's a she's larger than me and kind of like more of a bulkier person so she was able to do it and she was just like Hannah just assert yourself and like she said that to me and I was like okay and I here it goes like no problem I did it and (laughs) and I was I got up the stairs really fast (laughs) and I felt really like empowered and cool and I was like yeah I asserted myself with my body. That was cool. <laughs> and then I was like, you know, I'm just Rebecca smiling. I'm gonna be unapologetic <laughs> for myself. I'm I'm just gonna do what I want to do and what I love to do. And let's just go have a fun time. And <laughs> that was it. And that's that I would say is like me being a healthy eight. Yeah. Um yeah. Now, one thing that's coming up for me as you're talking is, uh, you say use the right language here, but would you say would you use the word short to describe yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm five one and three quarters, and by I feel like when you hear someone say the quarters, that's when you know they they're oh, fighting for yes. every inch the of quarters. their height. <laughs> you know, three quarters. People just say five like. One? Five, and one, and three quarters. Okay. Don't you dare in say three five, quarters. one. three quarters. Yeah. yeah just rem- Hannah, just so everybody knows, maybe someday we'll do an episode on the Full Metal Alchemist. It's a <gasps> show that I like, recommended Please to me by Hannah. Please do it. Oh, it's so um, good. But the main character of the Full Metal That's Alchemist uh, is uh, okay. really, really touchy about his height. Oh. Um, so I wonder yeah. if you related to that character a little bit. I just thought it was funny. Yeah. Like, okay. I've just learned to, when people are like, ha-ha, you're short, I'm, it's just better for me to be like, okay, cause, because if I... I could go off on them, but because, and that would be an eight characteristic, I'd be like, don't you come at me. I am just as important and valid, even though I'm smaller. Like, <laughs> and and so I could go off, but then they'd be like, haha, you're short and you're funny when you, you are say giving them a lot things. of control when you say that, you know, when you, when you get agitated, if you got agitated. With That's that. the thing. Yeah. So I don't want to, like, while they may exert control over me by, saying that I'm short, and then I'm like, well, actually, no, it's kind of the opposite, because I'd be like, yeah, sure, I am short. It'd be acknowledging it, and then they wouldn't have the power over me <coughs> anymore. All right, so when you guys are, like, walking around in the world on a daily basis, mm. just living your life, what are some things that, that would be, like, eight traits and how they kind of manifest themselves in your lives? Maybe I guess we'll start with Rebecca, because we just did a Hannah journey. Uh, how do I, well, I feel like I always 
have zero regard for the world around me mm. in the sense <laughs> that like so funny <laughs> i'll like i'll like cross the street and sure there will be a car coming but pedestrians have the right of way so oh I my gosh like, yeah how do we well, cross the street like, yes. put my hand up to be same. like thank you and like i'll just go it's my <laughs> turn thank you sorry thank you <laughs> you have to wait or, for like, me <laughs> <laughs> we walked into the office the other day i was at work and i forget what we were talking about and i was like only halfway joking i realize now when i was like no when i walk into a room everybody has to know that i'm here so guess what everybody i'm here oh my and goodness like, wow. <laughs> so wow. like i have very little regard for the mm. world around me i feel like but i expect them to have like lots of regard That's for so me funny. <laughs> Isn't that, so funny? Yeah. that just shows the types because i think macy would relate to this like it's opposite for me. I feel like I feel like the world around me is crunching on top of me huh. and like I'm getting compressed into a little ball. <laughs> Whenever I walk in a room, I'm like, oh. um, and mm. I have to work really hard to, I mean, like feel like you have like uh, space. confidence. Yeah, and, like, to, like you have like the room, room and are invi- invited to be in this space. Yeah. I'll stop myself and notice that I'm kind of balled up. My, yeah. my, wow. my, my arms are folded. I'm kind of crouched. <laughs> Sounds awkward, but I know, oh. I do know oh, both of you do walk into a room confidently. Mm-hmm. I can know. testify to that for both of yeah. you. <laughs> I think, I think one thing to name yeah. about eights is, and this is just like a physical characteristic of eights. Eights are very like aggressive with things. They yeah, touch, touch things. things. They aggressively. walk into things. Like they, they take <laughs> up space not just mm. because like they can have small bodies and yet they seem to take up more space than their bodies really? in a way. <laughs> I take up more Isn't space than my body. Isn't I think so. And I Wait, definitely I see that in oh. oh what? No, go, go ahead. You're Sorry. our guest. No, I I texted <laughs> you like this story when I was like I was so young. I had to have been in elementary <laughs> school and I remembered seeing this is how this is how young women are aware of their position in the world for anyone listening. But I was in like elementary school and I remember that like I saw so many women sitting with their legs crossed and I would mm. never see a man sit with their legs mm. crossed. And I was in a Mervyn's. My mom was trying on shoes and I saw this lady sitting with her legs crossed and she just looked so small compared to who she was. And at like that very mm. moment, I was like, I will never sit with my legs crossed wow. unless it is the most comfortable position to me yes, because yes. I am not Snaps. small like that. And wow. I do not have to be that woman. Wow. So, yeah, very much like that's an eight trying move. to be larger than I like respect I that. <laughs> I respect that. Eight recognizes eight. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's good. How about wow. you, Hannah? Um, just walking around in the world. Yeah, I do agree with Rebecca about how, <laughs> like, often, like I have to walk to school, um, and so, like, sometimes, like, a car will, like, we, well, actually, I walk to my Frisbee practice um, after school every day, and we have to cross um, this one street that's super busy, and there's, like, a, a designated, like, crosswalk or whatever, and it has, like, one of those really flashing lights so people, like, s- cars know mm-hmm. that there are pedestrians there. Um, and like I push the button and everything, um, and there there are usually like a lot of us, and so I'll c- start to cross the street when I know the car hasn't stopped, but it's definitely seen me. Mm. And my friends are like, "Oh, oh," and I'm like, "Nope, nope. it's <laughs> fine, yeah. it's fine. I'm gonna yeah. walk across. Um, <laughs> they will stop for me." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, um, wow. And then also with like the no regard for like everyone having regard for me, but 
me having no regard for anyone else. Just today, after <laughs> practice, um, there. So uh, let's see what song was playing. It was a. Mm, it was a, It was a song, and it was. A hip hop song, an R and B no, song, it was, it was a poppy song, Justin Bieber. I would say it's like Harp. old, but yeah. it's not old Harp. for you guys. It's probably like <laughs> Post Malone. <laughs> no, 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 no. Post Malone's like, like now. Early two thousand like, summer hits. Not like no, uh, like. <laughs> tell us. Oh, it was the back. Us. It was the Backstreet Boys. Okay, Backstreet Boys. Early Backstreet's back. All right. Early. She was I right. seen them in concert. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Really? So it was, it was the yeah, Backstreet Boys. Yeah, with Avril Lavigne. It was great. I'm crying. Um, okay. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I can't. I can't. Actually, I can't remember what the song is. I have a terrible Backstreet's memory. Backstreet's back, all right. Yeah. Everybody. I wanted that way. No, not that one. But it was. Okay. It's oh, it's the "Wouldn't It Be Nice" song. I don't know if that's Backstreet Boys. Oh, Wouldn't it be nice? Oh, Beach Boys. That's now. The now we're really getting into some okay. eras here. So you think we're as old as the Beach Boys? <laughs> okay, I don't know yeah. if that's. It seemed like a. It's a popular <laughs> song. Maybe you are. Parents, yeah, I'm the so. oldest one here, but. Um. <laughs> uh, anyways, that song was playing, and it was after practice, and there were these like really cute like little boys like doing their baseball time because we had, it. It was their time for the field, and we had just finished, so they were like getting ready on the field and stuff. And they were really close to us, and we were playing um, that song. And like, I was a little farther away from everyone else, and the music was loud. And I was like, "Guys, this song is about sex before marriage." Oh and my <laughs> gosh! Because I just want them to be aware of that. <laughs> and and they and like at that point, a little a little boy had just like the ball what was, was over. It was today. <laughs> this little boy was going to pick up this ball that had landed really close oh. to all of our stuff. At that moment that I screamed that, and everyone was like, Hannah! <laughs> and I was like, oh, no! <laughs> and so I, just, I feel like also that's just m partly me being me, but also it's being an eight of just... Ooh. just not now, I do want to have a sidebar on this. There. Is that song about sex before marriage? I don't Wouldn't think it is. It be nice it's just about, I think it's about getting all. married. I can't remember then, the word. Then we, wouldn't have to, then we wouldn't have to wait so long. Then we wouldn't have to wait for so Well, that's long. saying, like, let's get married so we yeah. can have sex. Mm, I think so. I yeah. Think <laughs> <it is laughs> that's, that's a bad interesting Yeah, it's like, not ideal. then we would be able to have sex. I don't know. Yeah, I don't wow. know. What happened that's, here? Where are we talking you do, about you people. <laughs> okay. maybe, maybe that's not <laughs> the message you want to take <laughs> away from it. <laughs> okay. Who knows? All right. Well, uh, maybe not. How old were these boys? I don't know. They were small. They were half my height. Yeah. See, maybe not that. Maybe that group should that's be. That's short. What is this conversation? Okay. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so we're talking, we are talking about sort of the brashness of eights. Mm -hmm. But one thing that is a real hallmark of an eight is their um, passion for justice mm -hmm. or fairness. Mm -hmm. So do you guys feel like that plays out in your daily lives or mindset? Yeah. Actually, I have another story. Can okay. I have another story? Please. please. <laughs> yeah. So. When I was in, I think it was my freshman year of high school. So every first Saturday in Livermore, they would do. Oh, now you guys are friends. Oh, so much fun. Um, we can hear each other. Every first Saturday, they had a Rocky Horror Picture Show, like mm. the live whole deal and everything at, um, at the local theater, the small one. And so Lauren and I, and sometimes Matthew, would go down and we would go see the show and we would dress up and like throw the toast and do the whole thing. Aww. And then we'd go get donuts afterwards. And there was one time that it must, it was Halloween. I remember because we were dressed up 
Um, but like so we had specifically dressed up as, which I realize now is so bad. Um, I'm not going to say it. Okay. Um, we, but I remember specifically that night and I walked into the donut shop, which is just down the street. And there was a guy there who was dressed in all rainbow stuff, rainbow tutu, rainbow leggings, like bright purple shirt, this like just, <laughs> um, and he was just getting yelled at by this man who was calling him the F word, like saying so many gay slurs and just yelling at this man, telling him that he was just wrong and unnatural and just everything you can imagine that could be said that's bad about a gay person was being yelled at that man. And I, that was like, I felt so powerless for what seemed like an eternity, but what I know was just a few minutes my voice was gone. Mm. I I don't know why I didn't say anything. I Part of me thinks that I just really didn't know what was going on because I had known gay people. And so like, and also it didn't even really like make that connection to me because we were all dressed up. Um, but I remember seeing that guy look at everybody else in the room with tears starting to form in his eyes and he looked so helpless and I felt so helpless. And the only one in that room that had any power was the guy who was yelling. Mm. And I thought about that for so long. Mm. And I actually remember that like a few days afterwards, I didn't go to basketball practice on time. I wasn't with the rest of the team because I was sitting in the locker room crying about how powerless I had felt and how I should have done something. Mm. I knew I should have done something, anything that mm. would have stopped that. And I, I couldn't. And so ever since then, it's just, and I mean, before that too, like I had, I knew right from wrong, but, um, but after that one moment, I was like, I can never not speak up for someone that is being wronged again, because those, because I just see the face of that guy. I don't remember the specifics, but I remember like his eyes and how I felt and how he must have felt. And so since then it's like, there are people who don't have a voice, but I have one and I can use mine until they have theirs back. Mm. Man, Rebecca, that's intense. Big things. Gosh, this makes me so emotional, but also just, I know Rebecca from like working with Rebecca and I can like testify to how much like being with you and seeing your confident voice and your like supporting of other people's voices like helped me find my voice. Mm. Like I yeah. think eights have a way of, seeing and naming truth about people and like you just like i watching you with like speak your voice but also like empower everyone else's voices like shifted a lot for me so mm. rebecca truth <laughs> <laughs> rebecca is there like a fairness <laughs> bug in you like oh, i feel like yeah. you get really oh, worried yeah. about fairness i get really oh <laughs> like <Dude>. if, it's, <laughs> if it's not fair like um Something that recently happened during um, February, because it was like Black Lives Matter. Um, the my mom works in Seattle Public Schools, um, so uh, she like likes to follow all the different like things that go on within like the parent community and like the teacher community and mm. like all those different communities. And um, a elementary school released like a coloring book that was promoting like. Um, just like equality and like that black lives matter. And it was just like a bunch, it featured a bunch of 
um, black people, like black icons. And then um, they also started to include like people who are gay in the black community as well. Mm -hmm. And my mom was really confused about that and she didn't understand that. And she was like, like that doesn't make sense. Like why would they, it's just for specifically black people. Like it's just for black people. Why do they have to, like why do they have to include people who are in the LGBTQ community? And that got me like, I wasn't like screaming or, or yelling at her, but I had a raised voice and like I my blood pressure and like heart rate was going up. And I was like, it's so important because these people are, they're people of color. And for one, they don't get that recognition. And then also to be gay as a person of color, that is so much harder. Mm. And it's, it's just mm. heartbreaking because there are these people of color who aren't getting recognized. And then also people, those people are being ostracized within their communities and the greater community of the world mm. because they are part of the LGBTQ community. And it would, oh, it was terrible. And like my, my dad was in on the conversation and like I was like, towards the end, I was just crying and crying. And I was like, they are the same as everyone else. Mm. They deserve equal opportunity as everyone else. And our justice now, seekers. One, <laughs> one, one, one early memory I have of Hannah, too, was like you and Connie, that was another kid in our youth group, helped me understand. And it took like an hour. Hmm. Was it that I, one time? You helped me understand that essentially men can't be the oh. victims of sexism. Mm -hmm. Sexism. Hmm. Isn't, I didn't understand. There that. isn't reverse yeah. sexism. Yeah, there's no reverse sexism. There's I didn't a understand. Power thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you did a good job. You convinced me. I, I can't remember what that conversation yeah. was about. And. I mean, I, I think it's about like, sexism. Oh, like I remember, like <laughs> the it, was, it was isms. I, we were doing an ism series. Yeah, I remember the gist of it, but I can't remember the specific arguments or even what I was arguing for. I was confused because Connie was saying, like, I don't know, she was arguing kind of that there isn't reverse sexism, which like makes sense. But I wanted her to explain it to me, and then she was trying to like pick a word for it. But it like she was trying to li put a word onto what she was describing. I think I was doing that. I was I was saying if we can't say sexism, then maybe oh, gender then stereotyping or something. Yeah, and like, she was what, like, "That's not it." What is it that I'm experiencing when you put me in a box as a man or something like that? Or yeah, she was like, "Assume it's, that it's I because just I'm a discrimination." Man, I'm, uh, ma like athletic. And yeah, I, I was like, "That's sexist," you know. I'm like, "Nope, nope, nope." And I was like, "Well, then it has to be something." So we we said gender stereotyping. Yeah. Well, mm. I think she left it not being satisfied. But <coughs> well, yeah, yeah. It's okay. Uh, okay. So we are going to take a break, mm -hmm. and when we come okay. back, we're going to read from Beatrice and the Wisdom, or maybe just the Wisdom, or I don't know, both. Maybe just, just the Wisdom, because we're going to read Beatrice maybe later. Oh, okay. Yep, 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 yep. Maybe yep. you say Oh, okay. We're going to bring some Chris Hewartson oh, coming in he's hot. He's an eight. Chris <laughs> yeah. an that's, eight. That, that's appropriate. We'll yeah. read some Chris Hewart tonight. Okay, so we'll morph with our guests when we come back. Okay. <laughs> Okay, we're back, everybody, and we uh, typically will read from a book 
to get our bearings on what exactly is going on with these numbers, just in case maybe this is your first time listening. Yeah. Or if you're tuning in and would appreciate and enjoy a reading from a, a book, a one nice of our various articulated books. Uh, yeah. way of putting it. The first book, should we read first from the sacred? Yeah, uh, yes, maybe exclusively until we get into the um, instincts. That might be true. Okay, so I think we've talked about the sacred Enneagram before. It's written by Chris Hewitt, who is one of the Enneagram teachers. That we and really he wrote like. this book called The Sacred Enneagram, which I think is the best book out there if you're trying to... It's the simplest in understanding how the Enneagram and spirituality like, kind of work in tandem. And it's like mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. spiritual understanding and a sacred understanding of the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chris Hewitt is an eight. And Bam. so it's pretty special to be reading. Oh, also, we oftentimes definition. talk about the Sleeping at Last podcast on, oh. this, and on this podcast. Yes. And <laughs> it's a great podcast. Ryan O'Neill, as I got told last week, is the guy that writes the music. He's, he's, he is Sleeping at Last. Mm-hmm. It's a band. And on the podcast, he releases a song about the type. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll end this episode by playing the eight song. Yeah, by Sleeping at yeah. Last. Um, and then during his podcast, he'll talk about how he wrote the song, and he'll have Chris Hewitt's on, who wrote this book that we're about to read from, mm-hmm. uh, to talk about the types. And so just recently they did eight, and it was really interesting to have Chris Hewitt's as an eight. Talking about his own type. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, very okay. interesting. Okay. So I'll read uh, the first few paragraphs of this. And then we want to hear your hot takes, Gus. Okay. Yeah, what's, what stands out to you? <laughs> all right. Things like that. Okay. The most driving dynamicism of all Enneagram types is found in the energy of eights. Wow. There it is. Eights are a source of strength and determination, an initiating and intimidating force of vitality in the world. A dear friend married to an eight once told me they aren't as hard as they come across, but they are as mean. Oh! (laughs) I don't like that. Uh Uh-oh. This is so funny. True. Um, okay. Oh. <laughs> Not in a bad way. I think in a very good way. Okay. I think insensitive is a way of a better way of putting it. Not Maybe, like intentionally yeah. mean or cruel. Yeah, I don't no. want to be mean. Yeah. Yeah. But insensitive. Just, I would say I lacked. I lack so much tact. Like <laughs> so much. So much tact. Oh boy. Yeah, and I think. Well, I don't know if I should go. Into, okay. Okay. Uh, as Father Richard suggested, the eight exemplifies the fundamental need to be against. Eights are against everything. Even when they agree, they'll find a way to turn anything into combat or sparring. This is how eights build trust. Through pushing and fighting, it's their attempt to size up the trustworthiness of others. An unconscious way of determining if people will stand up to them by standing up for themselves. That's so bold of you. I don't know if I would like resonate with that in myself, but Mm -hmm. I think that's... I mean, you guys seem to... I mean, I would say at the edge, I am my healthiest. Uh, So it would make sense that you guys would see that, but in other aspects of my life. Mm. And since the edge is only one day out of seven. The edge is the youth group we lead, everybody. Yeah. Now, Rebecca, definitely. (laughs) You can tell tell if if, if Rebecca challenges you in some way and you Mm. back down, you can see the look of disappointment (laughs) and pity in her face. Like, It's true. Come on, I mean, it it is disappointing. It is disappointing. Seriously, you could have fought. Fight me. (laughs) You could have fought. I like the the mental game of it, too, though. Like, I really just enjoyed like debating people and mm. I think I always take it too far but I am <laughs> always testing people 
One time I had a boyfriend and I lost a bet and I had to dye like half of my hair blue. And I was going to meet like someone that he knew, but I didn't know. And he was like, oh, this is going to be so funny. Like they're going to see your blue hair and they're going to just think it's weird because like I've never dated a girl like that before. And I'm like, oh, what do you mean a girl like that before? Well, did you know that I listen to punk rock music a lot and that I love it? Here, let me play you some. And what do you think about this music? Do you think that oh, you could like it I'm too? I'm already getting intimidated wow. listening to you. This is even real. And he was like, why are you doing this? He asked me that. And I'm like, I just need to know that you know that <laughs> wow, that's a people phrase. aren't the way you think they are. Oh my god! Oh, but wow. you can still like them. <laughs> this, that is, my daughter's oh my an eight, gosh. and like you just you kind of exhibited my daughter's traits and that <laughs> sass and that head nod and like. You just no. you just said words that I have said. <laughs> I just need you to know. Always <laughs> testing people. They yeah. have to know. <laughs> they, they have to know. Everyone <laughs> has to know. <laughs> Everyone. That would be a good title for this episode, too. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has to know. That would be your guys' podcast. Everyone has to know. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has to know. It would yeah, just be like hours you. of me talking at yeah. them. Now, <laughs> on the docket today. You, with your strength finders... Um, I think if we were to look at oh, strength finders is another thing, you guys. It's a, I, I recommend it. Take strength finders test. What are my strengths? Uh, now you were all <laughs> you were all in one category, and on paper and strength finders, I don't think you would look like an, an eight. eight. No, because it was all in the thinking category, and that's what Macy and I have too. But you were even more thinking than us, mm-hmm. and you were what they officially call mm-hmm. in strength. Finders. I was all thinking. Yeah, I'm pretty a, sure you were a guru. Which is so fascinating because you exhibit yourself in such a, like a physical way. Yeah. I mean, eights mm. are at the center of the body. Training. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's funny to, to take that sort of mental um, sharpness combined with that eight energy. And it seems to be like yeah. uh, a debate winner. Like if there is going to be one out there, you know? Yeah. And I think that I always, and I've always loved debate debates and that's, I am a debate winner. I always have. Been. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of one of the ways that I feel like I control things is I realized I was learning stuff so that I could know more than other people wow. so that I could Whoa. win debates. Wow, wow, oh my wow. gosh. Wow. That's like. That's like me. <laughs> and that's just yeah, something I, I are learned. Are you an eight? <laughs> no, but I, I didn't realize that's something that this I do. This is your eight journey. You just realized. I just, well, I just remembered because one time, one time, like I had just started eighth grade and I felt like my brothers knew so much more than me. Mm. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to branch out and learn lots of new different things too. And so I started to learn about where stained glass windows came from because I thought that that would give me the upper hand in some some conversation (laughs) and so I was like now now your family I feel like that shows a little bit about your family in the sense that you guys have a tendency to deep dive on random things (laughs) so random you do yeah all of of you know some intense stuff about some random stuff you know yeah and so I was like if I'm gonna go on stained glass window if it ever came (laughs) up i'd be like well guess what i know about stained glass windows and you don't do you know where they well what do from? you know about yeah. stained glass windows well you I haven't told us one fact about <laughs> oh, them you ready to show debate about this rebecca oh, i will Try come me. at you <laughs> fly down 
Roadtail, yeah. all the way you are. I asked Daniel. Where you are. Daniel, her brother, <laughs> took the day off the other day, and I said, what did you do? And he said, he he, he studies Greek <laughs> for for his, uh, uh, in college, you know? Yeah. But that isn't like a Bible classes. Like, he studies ancient Greek. Well, he's Greek. done now, but yeah. he But that's what he did on his free time. All yeah. day. He looked up old words and, and mapped them out. And, <laughs> and he told me he was in three different spots. Yeah. He was sat in one spot. Oh, yeah. And then day. he moved to another he's spot. He's a nine. And then he moved to Very another Very comfortable spot. sitting in one place. <laughs> um, okay, I just want to say one thing that I think is really interesting is, like, this is where the Enneagram is so fascinating in terms of not naming necessarily traits but like why we do what we do or like the motivation so mm-hmm. like you research mm-hmm. a lot i research a lot but my motivation is never like literally i could never think of so if i'm debating someone yeah. i would be able to come at them with it yeah. like i'm not at all thinking about that in my head as i'm <laughs> no, in that mode no, no and so it's like completely motivated differently and yet we are both like we're all researchers now uh i, I do say i have said this and i said this in our social media thing and it is sort of like revealing a, a, a embarrassing secret but i am a facebook debater oh yeah uh-huh. okay. me yeah. too <laughs> yeah. yeah now <laughs> okay. uh it, it, that's why I, typically when i'm researching i'm not researching to like shore up my resources for a debate mm-hmm. um they would say as a five you're just trying to surround yourself almost like a cloak with information to protect you essentially mm-hmm. but um if i do get um pushed in a corner on facebook I, it's happening to me, me currently. <laughs> yeah, tag Rebecca. True. Now, you want an eight on your side. This is what Macy and I were talking about. Is like no I'm sure an eight or you would get kind of caught up in the energy and start typing back. I'll wait for a few days, and I have to craft my response. And that's kind of what I like about Facebook is mm. I can go full-on research and come back with some heat. I can't do yeah. that. I, well, so when I Facebook debate, and I also want to put in there that <laughs> there, I do learn a lot of things just because I want to learn them. And yeah. so it's kind of the difference yeah. of like when I'm in like linguistics mode, I find that so interesting. I'm not learning it for a debate, right. but like, so when I, that for a debate? <laughs> <laughs> thank you. That's what my dad said when I started studying it. <laughs> Is this going to be used in a debate someday? <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to use this in the future? Um, but when I Facebook debate, I think of it as practice for when I talk in real life Mm, Hmm. because there's like this one particular dude who someone from my youth group is friends with who's like ultra conservative and like we actually are like kind of good friends now because I've debated him so many times Mm -hmm. but like I try to do I try I like always make a note of the things that I know without having to look them up. And then I tried to spend minimal time looking up the things that I need to know afterwards. And I didn't realize until like recently that I had a a scheme for this, but like, it's a great practice for when I'm like, I, when I, when you see me in person, it's like, I have all my talking points ready. I know. And I can, I can guess what you're going to say because I've practiced (laughs) elsewhere. Oh. And, <laughs> and it's like wow. I also like I feel like I'm constantly scheming in my life which is so bad um but mm. but so when I talk with like people like my family who's conservative or other friends that I know who are conservative it's like I've spent the time not only researching my side but knowing the responses you guys are gonna have whether it be from people oh. on Twitter or Facebook or or wherever like past conversations and I'm prepared for that. Dang. This is why eights are so intimidating because you're so confident. I'm yeah. like, I wouldn't, <laughs> I, I wouldn't do that. I uh, like, I just like to go and just, just ready to fight. So I think, <laughs> like, I enjoy the the fight and having to be like, 
no, no, you're you're wrong. And it would be great <laughs> to have like to po- to have points and be like, this is where you're wrong. And I love doing that, but I I wouldn't I wouldn't go out of my way to be like, I know everything you're gonna say, and I have all the points to refute it. That sounds little a little too much work for me because I wouldn't <laughs> want to get. Rebecca's also older than you. Yeah, that's true. And speaking's like my thing. Like, I will either be in, like, the pastor track or, like, the politician track. So it's kind of... This is true. Yeah. So fun. Now, now, it's also think of things typically in terms of, like, black and white. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, talking, it will engage a debate in that way. I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah. Whereas... it's hard to, it's really hard. Like, uh, my, uh, my, I am a five, my son's a five, my daughter's an eight. My, my wife's a nine, so she just kind of watches and just tries <laughs> to keep everybody calm. But our daughter, my daughter will try to bait me and my son, Jack, mm. and she'll mm. say this. And we go, we, we don't take the bait because we go, oh, it's, it's more complicated than that. She's like, no, it isn't. This, <laughs> then this. And we're like, well, no. And she's like, come on, fight me. You know, we're like, <laughs> Uh, we can't because we're not going to take the opposite view. <laughs> yeah, mm. we're like y- some of what you say is right. She's like, I am all right. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Okay, I have a question. So eights are at the center of like the body triad, and like most are or not the center. Excuse me, not excuse the center. You. Excuse <laughs> you. It's okay. Or any of knowledge. Um, <laughs> eights are in the anger triad, but they're the most outward with their anger Mm. and so like nines kind of you know suppress and numb their anger ones repress it and they like have it held in resentment and eights are outwardly angry do you Mm. feel like you resonate with this (laughs) anger yeah i i mean this is from what i was talking about earlier i think pre-2016 I I think I found other ways to let it out than just being outwardly anger. Like, I was a little bit more conscious of, like, okay, I'm letting my anger out through sports or, like, mm. through other things. But then, like, after that happened, it's like, if I'm angry, like, someone's going to know it. Hmm. Wow. That's and so fascinating. I, I, I stick by it. I think of all the things that would, like, be bad about an eight. I think this one actually in my life has had some, like, really good things come of it mm-hmm. um but it also gets me into bind a lot mm-hmm. well, I, I learned from eights i think a five is supposed to go to eight in health and i i think i need to be a little bit more comfortable just saying how i'm feeling and expressing myself without wor- worrying exactly if it's appropriate or not mm-hmm. well when you hired me we talked about that yeah. when i when you interviewed me i liked that. we talked about conflict that. and said, stuff. I, I just go right into conflict i was like oh man that's great that's I nice. that. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Do you, do you guys want to do you want to follow up the anger stuff? Do you want to say anything about how you're angry? Sure. I think <laughs> I think I think that I definitely am and like I have the anger. I, I don't <laughs> I don't want to have the anger, but I have it. Um but I think I have in the past it has gone badly for me. Like it get like it gets Rebecca in a bind. It also it's more often than not it gets me in a bind. Mm-hmm. So I tend to suppress that in a nine way and i mm. think i am an oh, eight wing nine a eight wing nine so mm. that makes sense who's to say well i think i have different wings in different situations yeah, i think I they're see both that. yeah i can see that 
Yeah, I mean, has there been times, I guess, just go, that's one final thought about anger, but, like, it seems to me that sometimes with eights, based on my limited uh, living in the world in the realm of the Enneagram, um, eights will sort of oftentimes lose themselves in their anger, and mm. it's almost like afterwards they look around the room and they, they realize what just happened, and oh, they're like, yeah. oh, crap, everybody's sad, or everybody's scared, or, uh, and, and it, in the in the fit or the moment of anger, they are so in the moment that they're not even really reading the room. Hmm. And then all of a sudden they're looking around. They're like, what, what, what's wrong? What happened? And like, mm. well, you just yelled at us. Yeah. <laughs> something, yeah. You know? And I think for me, like going into like going to health as a two, um, I think that I'm really conscious of that. And so I never want that to happen. Like I never want to be the person who is causing uh, stress to mm. other people. Um, because I've been in positions where I the stress has happened to me, so mm. I never want to put other people in that situation, um, which is why I'm super conscious of where where I put my anger, which can lead to me just being like, okay, I'm just going to stuff it down until there's someone I can talk to about this, mm. or it'll mm. come out in a very unsavory way. Hmm. Hmm. Unsavory. Can I say one more thing yes, before please, we break? Please. Um, I, for a lot of my life as a kid, I don't think I ever really, like, expressed anger very outwardly. I think, like I said, it was always channeled through things. But then in high school, I heard this quote, and it was, anger is like gasoline. If you spray it around and somebody lights a match, you've got an inferno. But if we can put anger inside an engine, it can drive us forward. Mm, that's good. Um, and so, and I, that was, like, written on my mirror for a really long time and mm. something that I, I still think about a lot to this day. And so I feel like, people see anger as a really negative emotion. Mm. And I, th and I know that people who aren't eights, I think have need a little more convincing of this, but I see mm -hmm. it as in my life and like potentially a really positive emotion. Yeah. I totally um, and something that has like a lot of potential around it. And so I think that I don't know if this is true of all eights, Hannah, I don't know if this is true of you, but like, I think that's one thing that I've never really gotten lost in, in like an angry fit or anything because I've been very aware of how a lot of other people see it as something negative, mm -hmm. but I see it as something positive. Yeah. And so I have to like, I have to really control it so that I'm not just proving them right. Mm. Yeah. Ooh, wow. That is interesting. I think found. there's something That's really inspiring about like confident anger, like especially as someone I am a, am a four and I'm like very emotionally like, I don't know. I have a lot of emotions, but anger is the one that I'm, like, by far always the most, like, repressing. Hmm. And so I'm always, like, looking to eights to see them exhibit that or, like, I'm inspired by it because, like, to confidently be angry, I think... How do they do it? ...serves something. <laughs> it's, yeah. like, it. there's, like, this emotion that needs to get out and, like, there's a... People have a right to be angry sometimes. Sometimes anger is what is necessary mm -hmm. um, to move things forward. So, yeah. Hmm. Oh, boy. Uh, mm. So when we come back, we're going to do something we haven't done on this show yet, which is crazy because we talk yeah. about it a lot. We're going to talk about instinctual variants. We're going to utilize another book that we love called um, The Complete, the Complete Enneagram. Enneagram by Beatrice Chestnut. And uh, we think, and we've talked about this, so I'm not typing people, but mm -hmm. we think Rebecca is a sexual eight and Hannah is a social eight. Sexual self-pressed. Yes, <laughs> there yeah, you go. Yeah, stacking. <laughs> Uh, so when we come back, we'll tell you a bit about what this is. <laughs> the five's favorite sound. <laughs> <laughs> 
Macy here with a quick interruption in the episode to invite and encourage you all to share this episode with someone you think might enjoy it. So take a moment right now to think about one person in your life who may benefit from hearing this episode, hearing about eights, hearing about the Enneagram, and you can just click share episode with them and give them a quick message. Say, hey, you might enjoy this podcast that helps spread the podcast and reach more people. Another way that you can share and reach even more people is by screenshotting what you're listening to and how you're listening to it and put it on something like your Instagram story or your Facebook. That just gets the word out there. Even people seeing that No Small Thing is happening helps other people to find the podcast, and it means so much to us. All right. Thank you so much. Hope you enjoy the rest of the interview. Catch you later. Okay. Here we are. Here we are, everybody. Okay, so we're going to, people, we are going to introduce to y'all an Enneagram layer that I don't know if we have fully introduced. We've hinted at it. And alluded. it's been something that we have been, Scott and I have been looking into more, leaning into, trying to understand or understand this and it is metaphorically metaphorically right now it's behind a curtain and we're about to uh, open the curtain (laughs) veil the curtain (laughs) it is instinctual (laughs) variance instinctual Uh, variance polite applause applause to this (laughs) so golf claps so when we think about the enneagram we're thinking about how your personality is formed and it's based around your child your perceived childhood wounds and how you perceive the world as a child Mm -hmm. and you, from that point, start to create assumptions about the world that fit into these categories that you've built. And so that's how the nine different types kind of manifest, is because there's these nine different ways that we see the world. While that is happening, there's also something else that's happening, and it is called the instinctual variance. And it's another way that we participate and kind of create and shape the world in our personality forms. And so there's three different ways. It adds another layer. It's almost like how have we talked about the wings. It it's is like kind a, of like the wings. Flavor. It's a flavor. Mm-hmm. And I would think one one thing that is really cool and fascinating about the instinctual variance is it's not, you have to, I think it's important to think about how it's almost like your, uh, your development into your number and the way you're seeing the world into that crashes and collides with the way you're seeing based on your instinctual variant Mm -hmm. so it's the relationship of those two things that helps form your personality it's not like one plus one equals two it's like no how does one and one dance together to create this other personality so (laughs) dang the best best in the game here folks (laughs) we're just we're just trying it's it's really listen to a lot of uh enneagram podcasts and i'd put you up against anybody we can confidently (laughs) say macy is the best number one best in the game out of all of the other enneagram she's in the top tier okay so that was a great explanation the god tier (laughs) as one might say if you are a memer yes i'm not a memer but (laughs) i I i'm gonna try and explain these variants everyone oh you're just gonna go right into it just i'm just gonna explain the The three variants the general general variants and then we'll explain the eight exactly okay. so there's three variants and so you can be thinking maybe you know your number maybe you haven't thought of your variant and this mm-hmm. could just help you um so there is the self-pres variant preservation 
yes, sorry, self-preservation. That's, That's for us hip Enneagram <laughs> no, people. It stands for self-preservation. <laughs> and it, these names, they the sound kind of, they sound exactly like what they are. This is your instinct to preserve yourself, your surroundings, your place. People who have a self-pres variant put high emphasis on making sure they're financially secure, that their home, their possessions, mm. all the things about like surrounding themselves are keeping them safe. So mm-hmm. this is how they protect themselves is by leaning into their self-preservation instinct. Mm. The sexual or one-to-one instinct. Sexual is misleading, but it, that's not what they call it. Yes, it's called sexual or one-to-one. So you could think of it in two different ways, but you're probably most likely going to hear sexual. This is that you, in order to find security, seek that in intimate relationships Mm one-on-one. So you find your security in being with another person and feel security with that other person. Mm -hmm. The third one is your social instinct. And this is that you find your security socially. So you seek security through groups of people who you hang around with. And all of these different things are you kind of have one that is your dominant. And so that gets laced with how you are developing into your number. So it's very fascinating because it doesn't, they manifest differently in each number. So we'll read through the eights, Mm. but it's just something to think about. Which one do you feel like you are drawn towards? Maybe look it up if you're not an eight. Typically everyone, according to the wisdom of the Enneagram, not not the book, but just the general wisdom, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we all have one of these instincts that's more pronounced. Yeah, so there's different like thoughts around it, and I tend to be of the thinking that our variants, our instincts are stacked. Um, mm-hmm. You'll hear the word stackings a lot. People will say, like, oh, I'm a self-pres social stacking, saying that you have one that's dominant, and then you have one that is, like, it's basically overdeveloped, as they'll say, mm-hmm. and you have one that is, regularly developed and one that is underdeveloped so there's often one variant or instinct that you have it's like your blind side almost mm-hmm. um, and one that is like this is what you've always instinctually drawn towards in so protecting i think in, ter- in terms of stacking rebecca and i are the same i'm sexual self-pres with a social blind spot so to speak mm-hmm. you know yeah same yeah. <laughs> and yeah and i'm probably social self-pres mm-hmm. with a sexual blind spot although i have a lot of interesting self-pressed characteristics Mm -hmm. but maybe not motivations it's very Mm. fascinating Mm. Mm. Um, so i think i will read you know so we're going to be reading beatrice chestnut another book we recommend mm -hmm. i think i'm going to be doing some beatrice chestnut giveaways on our instagram (gasps) pretty soon giveaways and we'll give away stickers y'all we have stickers we want to give these things away we'll send you a sticker rebecca yeah please (laughs) do um so these descriptions are very long. They're like three or four pages. Oof. Don't worry, everybody. We're I'm not, not going to read them. I'm just going to read like two or three paragraphs tops. Sweet. This would be describing, in theory, Rebecca. Okay? The sexual And eight. maybe you listening out there. Maybe you listening out there. Maybe you're sexual eight. Uh, here it comes. Sexual eights have a strong antisocial tendency. People with this subtype are provocative people who express lust through open rebellion through declaring in word and deed that their values differ from the norm. Along with being the most rebellious of the eight subtypes, the sexual eight is, interestingly, also the most emotional. Hmm. This outspoken rebellious eight likes to be seen as bad, or at least they don't mind it, and they tend not to feel any guilt over the rebellious things that they do. It's almost a matter (laughs) of pride for sexual eights to go against the stream of convention or to disrespect rules and laws. (laughs) 
<laughs> in childhood, many of these eights experienced disrespect and a lack of affection and attention from one of their parents, not to recognize maternal or paternal authority. This first rebellion against authority became the template for their strong rebellious tendencies. Um, so that's obviously just the tip of the iceberg on that. It keeps going. Wow. But hmm. um, how does that resonate with you, Rebecca? You're smiling. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I don't. So I was kind of unsure if I was sexual or self-pressed because I don't really relate to the like outbursts of rebellion. But I yeah. think maybe because it wasn't as angry as everyone thought it was, it was just, it seemed more like a, like lighthearted the way that I would do like rebel, I guess. But um, I also told my mom that she wasn't allowed to use automatic like self-checkout at the grocery store when that first came along. Cause robots were the leading cause of job loss in the U S at the time. <laughs> wow. You're really mad at me. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. Oh but, <laughs> But I do, I did really enjoy actually being bad and knowing that I was bad, hmm. but nobody oh. else knew. I got the best, like, sense of pride from that. Um, junior year of high school, or maybe it was sophomore year, was the first time that I had, like, started trying weed and um, my friends did hookah, and so I did it with them. And we were drinking and it was all like safe. It was with um, their parents knew and were very much like, you guys can do this as long as you're safe. And if anything goes wrong, we're here. And so it was like a very safe environment. Chill, even nice, though. nice um, <laughs> But n- I remember <laughs> it was like the night before I was at that friend's house and I, f- I forget what we had done, but it was something that was, I guess, illegal. Um <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, I also don't feel bad about it because I don't think it should be illegal. Hmm. So I'm like, I'm not doing anything wrong. Hmm. Why are you guys telling me that this is wrong when, like, I'm safe. It's fun. I'm not abusing anything. So you're the people who are wrong. Hmm. <laughs> um, the eight vibes but, are heavy wow, tonight. Here it with comes. Rebecca, but then <laughs> it was at youth group. And like the next day, and we were all so my youth group and I, we were all super close. Did I youth didn't really. Rebel? Yeah. I didn't hang out with anyone from school, really, kind of, just those two girls. Um, but at youth group, we were all super close, hung out like five days a week outside of church and everything. And so I remember we were talking one time about like drugs and alcohol, like, has anyone done it? And our leaders weren't really listening at the time. And so we were like mm-hmm. going around the room and everyone was like, no, I've never done like weed, but I kind of want to try it. Like, I really want to try it. And I was sitting there like... <laughs> I've done it. Why haven't you guys done it? And then I I remember they're like, okay, guys, who do we think is the first person oh in this in this room to do? And who do we think is the last person who will do anything? And yeah. everyone thought I was the last person really? who would try anything. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, jokes on you guys. I've already done it. <laughs> like in my wow. head. <laughs> and then and then junior year, I was like super sad and like kind of depressed. And so I would sneak off campus. I wasn't supposed to leave for lunch. And I would come back just in time and my friends would eat on the hill. Uh, that was right next to where I would leave and I would sneak off and like feel super cool. I was just going home to get like a bagel. Um, but, <laughs> but it's like sneaking but, off. <laughs> but then I'd come back and they'd be like, where were you? And I was just like, just getting lunch. Just getting lunch. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Um, but that even like, even How in you college. Turn just the phrase getting lunch into sassy. 
Just How's that all of a sudden sounding? That's <laughs> <laughs> the way you said it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I and like I think I've said this already, but I feel like I'm always scheming and I really feel kind of like this really bad pride in the fact that like I'm always trying to subvert authority and I'm so proud of that. Wow. Mm, the honesty. She just took the, the description and 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 put some Rebecca thoughts around it, and that was. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna read just the beginning of self prez, mm-hmm. so we can see, uh, just a little bit about well, so just so we have here all of them because yeah. we'll read social in a second for Hannah because we think Hannah's social. But yeah. maybe we'll think about which. Yeah. I mean, you're stacking. <laughs> sure. Just be open stacking. to it, and it's reading your blind spot. Yeah. So maybe yep yep here we go. Um, well, it does say at the end of the sexual eight, by the way, it says uh, the that the, uh, no social is the counter. Okay. So a social oh, eight won't mm-hmm. look like a typical eight. So that yeah, makes sense. this is another side note in instinctual variance is that every number has a counter type in terms of their instinctual variance. So there's for each one, one that doesn't present itself quite as obviously as that number. Yeah. Which can be really trippy if you're trying to identify it. Mm-hmm. That just is another layer of complication. At the end of sexual eight, it says this subtype can usually be readily recognized as an eight and is mm. not likely to be confused with other types. Mm. <laughs> this <laughs> this really is true for you, Rebecca. Yeah. Okay. So uh, self-preservation eight, they call satisfaction in this. It says the self-preservation eight expresses lust through a strong need to obtain what they need for survival. Man, it reminds me of the story you were telling earlier, Rebecca. The title given to this type is satisfaction. This person has a strong desire for the satisfaction of material needs and intolerance of frustration, and they have a hard time being patient when it comes to not getting immediate satisfaction. Mm. This intolerance creates a kind of ruthlessness in these eights about going after what they want and finding ways to get around people who might stand in their way. Hmm. Self-preservation eights feel compelled to go after what they need very directly without talking much about it. They know how to get things done without a lot of fuss or explanation. These people are the least expressive of the three eight subtypes. They don't talk much about what they do and don't reveal much. This is a no-nonsense person who doesn't bother with pretenses. Hmm. Self-preservation eights are preoccupied with getting things and getting away with things. <laughs> interesting. Huh. That interesting. So I can that would think be, of a- you think sexual would be more. Yeah, I think I think the thing that made me decide that I wasn't self-pres is that the emotional aspect of it, mm-hmm. like I was very emotional at times and I still am. Like you guys know, I was crying like a baby when I was leaving and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I'm very emotionally driven, mm-hmm. I think. Um, like mm. even if it's not anger, which it typically is, but I feel like emotions really come into play with a lot of the things I do. And I think that just seemed to fit a little bit more with the sexual variant and yeah. how like emotional they are, as opposed to, I'm not like so preoccupied with doing things just to get away with them. I'm like preoccupied with doing things because like, I don't know, whatever. Like I wanted to sneak off of campus because I was sad and didn't want to be around anyone or I was doing those things because like, like drugs or drinking because like I thought it was fun. It was just something fun. So it wasn't really like like to do whatever I want to do. Yeah. It was to be bad or or it wasn't, it wasn't just to be bad. It was because of some other motivation, Mm -hmm. which I feel like was a little bit different than what the self-pres was saying. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like they could both just be very close. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Totally, they could blend a little bit. Okay, so yeah, now and it's still it's the thing about this is you're still reading your type. We're still reading eights. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They it's still an eight. An eight. And so flavor. we think Hannah's a social eight, which would be yeah. the counter type. So should I read it? Hannah, yeah. I will just say Hannah 
compared to maybe, I mean, someday we'll have my friend Bobby on. And I don't know if he's even listening to this, but he would be a really fun one because he's also an eight. And, um, oh, this I think is him. Yeah, and and so yeah. Hannah, mm-hmm. <laughs> Hannah's a little bit more, um, uh, just a little gen- more gentle and soft than typically, although she still has eight vibes. Yeah. 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 Okay, so this is called Solidarity. Interesting. Mm. Countertype. The social eight is the countertype of the three eight subtypes. Social eights represent a contradiction. The eight archetype rebels against social norms, but the social eight is also oriented toward protection and loyalty. They express lust and aggression in the service of life and other people. This person, this person is social antisocial. <clears throat> in contrast to self-preservation eights, social eights are more loyal, more overtly friendly, and less aggressive. They are helpful eights, people who are nurturing, protective, and concerned with the injustices that happen to people. Yet they also display an antisocial aspect with regard to the rules of society. So yeah, um, <laughs> I mean yeah, and that is the thing in, in terms of our youth group. Hannah is aggressively helpful. Like she's always buzzing <laughs> around asking how she can help. And she's definitely sort of a central figure in the youth group in yeah. the sense of like just getting everybody together, banding all of the, everybody together, getting good vibes and emotions stirred up, mm-hmm. but not in a two way in the sense of a pure two, you know, we all know a two mm, yeah. um, and Hannah's definitely not a two, but she's bringing the two vibes mm. in, in my opinion. Yeah. What resonated for you? Um, yeah, I, I really, I really do seek to make sure that everyone has their voice heard, which is like an eight thing, but it's also just like, yeah, like I know people who like, they won't speak up for themselves and I'm, I encourage them to, but then I also feel like I have to speak up for them Hmm. because they don't feel willing to speak up for themselves. And it's like, no, like you can do it. Um, (laughs) and yeah, wait, can you read the second to last paragraph? Yes. This that person she just read or, or that she has, hasn't read yet? Uh, that you just read, okay. yeah. This person is social antisocial. In contrast to self-preservation eights, social eights are more loyal, more overtly friendly, and less aggressive. They are helpful eights, people who are nurturing, protective, and concerned with the injustices that happen to people. Yet they also display an antisocial aspect with regard to the rules of society. Yeah, like I, I love to help other people. Um, Rebecca likes to help people too. I know I sound like a really bad person. I feel like no. Eights um, no. are great, everybody. Eights are, are great. Eights are great. I just remember that last year in my chemistry class, like I loved to push back against my chemistry teacher, mm. and he was he was mm. one who could definitely take it, which is mm. why I like he's to this day one of my favorite teachers. Mm. Um, uh, and I I love to like pushing back somebody that yeah, fought back to now push back. Favorite. Wow. Favorite. wow! So he was he's a very good teacher, and I would push back against him. Um, but I yeah I like to push back, but I also very very much like to be helpful. So I'd be like, I'd I'd love to talk to him and be like, oh like what are we doing today? Like how can I help? Mm. But then also mm. like he'd bring up something, and I'd be like, well no wait a minute that sounds like that contradicts with the. Lewis dot structure we said before or something. I don't know. Um, wow. <laughs> and he'd be like, he'd be very patient with me and and push back <laughs> slash explain to me what was going on. And I'd be like, okay, that's valid. All right, <laughs> we're okay. <laughs> this is another thing I try to, you know, figure out a little bit 
um, with my daughter and maybe even you two a little bit and then maybe even with my friend Bobby and other eights that I know is this it's almost like a maybe we'll do an episode someday on the concept of love languages. Mm-hmm. Let's see. It seems like similar to love languages in the sense that what what I'm trying to get my head around is what may seem like a really kind of sloppy, angry fight to mm-hmm. people on the outside would feel very intimate. loving and intimate to an eight. And they're like, w- w- this is what we do to bond hmm. and cultivate yep. respect and yeah. mm-hmm. intimacy. Um, interesting, isn't it? True chains. Yeah. It's <laughs> true. And I grew up with an eight dad, so huh. I have, I think, a sense of eightness in me and mm. especially like mostly only with my dad I can get into that crazy space mm. or maybe not crazy space, but I can get in that space Intense and like space, I know that like for him and for me our relationship has always like pivotal moments have been when we have gone toe to toe and then have been able to like eventually walk around and talk about it like calmly but like it took us going toe to toe and him being able to like really fully express all his thoughts and me too before we could like I don't know settle but it also like has been significant in growing mm. yeah um well I think we're gonna wrap up this segment again mm-hmm. we're wrapping up the segments and we're gonna come into the home stretch with some emergence of essence yeah. maybe talk about some innocence <laughs> some innocence I want to read one fun <laughs> thing this is th- this is just one thing. final thing who from Naranjo <laughs> this, this is, is one of the guys Naranjo is one of the the early Origin teachers people. of the personality he's one that these guys room. reference a lot an original so cult one of the leader. things about this book is that it comes out everyone <laughs> don't say <laughs> cult. Uh, one of the things that comes up uh, I think the reason this book doesn't get quoted as, as much and it's considered like a source mm-hmm. material for a lot of these other books is it's he just goes all hard on the intellectual yeah. deep stuff. He's not trying to make it dumb it down for a mass audience. Mm-mm. But the way he says things sometimes is just so like entertainingly deep and complicated. Yeah. <laughs> so this is just more of a fun reflection for two eights that like kind of coming, coming, bringing it back to something that I think is in both of you a little bit in a fun way. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's talking about like different uh, traits of eights. They, they have lust. They have uh, what you'd call uh, dominance, insensitivity, rebelliousness. Mm. And he mm. kind of goes deep diving on those. And one of these is uh, punitiveness, punitiveness. So let me just read this. Oh, I'm curious. It says, another group of traits intimately connected to lust is that which could be labeled punitive, sadistic, exploitative, hostile. Hmm. Among such traits, we can find bluntness, Hmm. sarcasm, irony, and those of being intimidating, humiliating, and frustrating. Of all characters, this is the most angry. It is the angry and punitive characteristic of any type 8 Ikazo addresses in his calling the fixation of the lust of the lusty characteristic of revenge. Hmm. So that's kind of what he means Hmm. by punitiveness is revenge. The word, however, has the drawback of being associated with the most overtly vindictive of the characters. Enneotype four Hmm. is the most vindictive. Sorry about it, everybody. (laughs) 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 Whose whose hatefulness sometimes manifests in explicit vendettas. Whoa. (laughs) 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 I didn't realize you were coming in there. I didn't even mean that, so it's kind of fun. (laughs) In this overt sense, any type eight is not strikingly vindictive. On the contrary, the character retaliates angrily at the moment and gets quickly over the irritation. Hmm. The revenge... 
which is most present in any type 8 is, aside from getting even in the immediate response, a long-term one in which the individual takes justice in his own hands Mm. in response to the pain, humiliation, and impotence felt in early childhood. It is as if he wanted to turn the tables on the world and, after having suffered frustration or or humiliation for for the pleasure of others, has determined that it is now his turn to have pleasure, even if it involves the pain of others, or especially then, for in this too may lie revenge. Hmm. Um, but man, he brought some fours in there. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very curious how I'm so vindictive. Mm. I, <laughs> ooh, I, ooh, I can resonate. <laughs> um, it's more subtle and low-key, right? I think so, but I yeah. think it might be more po- potent. People get on your radar. You know, there's people on your, like, crap list (laughs) is that true (laughs) oh boy she's not Uh, in your head yes it's It's not fine it's i'll work through it (laughs) i'll work through it tonight it's not fine i'll work through (laughs) it sorry i'll beat myself up about this (laughs) how am i vindictive i am victim i'll make a painting about my vindictive nature (laughs) okay uh, back to the eights a little uh (laughs) Well, do you guys relate to the sense of sort of immediate revenge or vindictiveness? Does that sound? Yeah. Yeah. I I would say like I like there are lots of times where like a friend will do something that like just gets my my engines going, my blood boiling and I'm like, "Oh my gosh." And I'll like do something about it and then Oh, that's so interesting. Like <laughs> I'll do something, maybe it's positive, maybe it's negative, but like if afterwards I'm like, "Well, I've done my action." That's that's it. I can't hold anything against them, and it's mm. time to move on. Yeah, they said it's a this little quicker. This is helpful. Yeah. How about you, Rebecca? I think I'm more of the long-term Ooh, type. Drawing it out. <laughs> but I've never really been... I don't think I've ever really been in a situation where it would require something so, like, out there and quick. Well, I think, I think dominating a debate could be somewhat of a vindictive activity Hmm. you know yeah yeah but i think even when i debate i you know you never win a debate right away but i do get kind of explosive when i'm in them but i like very much (laughs) do a lot of things for myself Hmm. and not for anyone else Hmm. and i think that's kind of why i just kind of brush things off at first like if Like, for example, my mom one time got really mad at me because when I started playing lacrosse, she bought me this really nice stick. And I started playing goalie after, like, the first practice. And she, like, got really mad at me and was like, you know, I don't don't sign you up for these sports to watch you sit in a goal the whole time. Mm. I want to see you play. So why are you in goal again? I'm not here to watch that. And, like, Mm. I didn't say anything. I wasn't, like, angry. I just kind of sat there. But then it made me practice goalie that much harder. Mm. And then I ended up like doing way better at that. And like the revenge kind of in the way was like then like by the end of the season, like or the end of my like lacrosse career, I guess she was excited to see me play goalie or like mm-hmm. um, like I'll prove to you some proof yeah. wrong sort of thing. Yeah. Or like when I wanted to study abroad, everyone was like, uh, no, you, or my parents were like, you can't do that. You're not going to graduate on time. You're not going to do that. And. Um, it's just like so many people telling me no. And like, I could like very easily like get angry and be like, well, I'm going to do whatever I want and you can't stop me. But it was 
uh, like took days and like weeks actually for me to like formulate every single plan (laughs) where if I did this, I could one, pay for it or two, make sure that I didn't elongate my college career so that there's no way you could tell me no. Mm. Like I have thought everything out in a way that there's no way I'm not winning this. So it's, I feel like all the times that I, maybe I am self-fres, but all the times that like, I've tried to get revenge. It's very much a drawn out and like well thought out thing. Mm. Uh, I really was looking forward to putting you in this box of my sales. That's good. Um, okay. So um, coming to the home stretch. Yeah. When we come back, we'll have a nice kind of closing. Yeah. Talk a little bit about maybe not necessarily integration, but just the gifts eight offers us and the healing that comes through the Enneagram and knowing your eightness, maybe. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Well, that we do know. That's it. Okay, that's that. it. Who knows? <laughs> when what we do you know? Back? Who knows? Is this on? Okay. This is... Pr- particularly beautiful poem uh and i think i well i probably should forewarn listeners there's a curse word in here uh but i told this to macy and and she's like well if you're gonna get an an enneagram number that's gonna curse it's an eight (laughs) yeah so i think it's particularly so the poem is called new york poem by terence hayes uh who's probably one of the finest american poets writing today and I think I've only been to New York for like uh, like a weekend for a conference, but it was like right in the middle of New York. And I can get a sense of how like New York would be kind of an eight place or like you need some kind of like, I'm here, I'm just gonna, because it's like so crowded, it's so jam packed. It's like too much e- existence in one place. <laughs> So the poem is a little bit about kind of uh, how people kind of survive in New York. Like imagine having a place that is, you know, that is like New York and then having to live there and having to kind of like make your existence kind of like heard too. But, uh, But it's a beautiful poem, I think, because it tries to, and a lot of Terrence Hayes' poetry has this uh, capacity to talk about so many things within like a relatively short space. So I think it's only, it only makes sense that he would write a New York poem. Also like all poets have a New York poem. (laughs) Oh, by the way, because uh, one listener told me that he enjoyed last week's rumination because he he got to learn some new words. (laughs) I'm gonna, there was one word that I've, I'd never heard of before reading this poem. It's called contronym. So contronym means when a word means the um, word has two opposite meanings. So a word has two meanings that are exactly opposed to each other. Skin both meaning to cover and to remove the cover. Whoa, right? That's yeah, that's, that's a contronym. But yeah, but uh, here... The, the poem gives like, like two examples of con- of contronym. Okay, I'm just gonna read the poem now. Okay, cool. New York poem by Terence Hayes. 
In New York, from a rooftop in Chinatown, one can see the sci-fi bridges and aisles of buildings where there are more miles of shortcuts and alternative takes than there are Miles Davis alternative takes. There is a white girl who looks hijacked with feeling in her glittering jacket and her boots that look made of dinosaur skin and R is saying to her, I love you again and again. On a Chinatown rooftop in New York, anything can happen. Someone says, abattoir is such a pretty word for slaughterhouse. Someone says, mermaids are just fish ladies. I am so fucking vain, I cannot believe anyone is threatened by me. In New York, not everyone is forgiven. Dear New York, dear girl with a barcode tattooed on the side of your face, and everyone writing poems about and inside and outside the subways, Dear people underground in New York, on the sci-fi bridges and aisles of New York, on the rooftops of Chinatown where Miles Davis is pumping in and someone is telling me about contronyms, how cleave and cleave are the same word looking in opposite directions. I know now, bolt is to lock and bolt is to run away. That's how I think of New York. Someone jonesing for Grace Jones at the party, and someone jonesing for Grace. You guys have like such like happy reactions whenever I read a poem that it makes me feel like I wrote that poem. <laughs> it's like I, I didn't. It's like thank you, but I didn't write this poem. <laughs> thank you. Okay, I think that... I read, I'm literally looking at this. Mm -hmm. I just clicked it up, and I have Bolt. I Bolt, have yeah. Bolt. Yeah, okay. I think that the poem should speak for itself. I think so, too. Ooh, Signing off. Signing off, everybody. Mic down. You don't have to go walk away with this. No. You're not going back to the story. <laughs> oh, house i don't know why we're saying it's that her's house <laughs> <laughs> it's your the house there's house there's house. <laughs> there's house back in the there's there, house. There house that's good i like that <laughs> the there's house okay yeah. what okay happening? so we've talked a lot about the eights and we've talked uh, you can read it okay um 
we've talked a lot about these characteristics of eights, but we didn't talk necessarily about maybe like a child, the childhood wound. Oh, and the childhood wound. For eights, this is what, from my understanding, and I don't know if you guys can relate to this, although, yeah, I don't know. Let's it's, see. With eights, there's this idea that at one point they decided I can't be innocent anymore or vulnerable anymore, that they're... Mm. I have to be strong or I have to be the one who like is assertive. I can't let people see me be weak. And as we go, well, Hannah, do you have anything to say to that? No, I (laughs) I just think it's funny because I can't remember a time when that was ever something that I decided. I think it was, I think I've always been in the mindset that, I mean, it it happened probably sometime, but it happened probably in elementary school when I was really young. Hmm. And I was just like, no one can see me with my vulnerabilities or see hmm. me be weak. Like, hmm. I always have to be like this. But I think the part where I started, like, defending other people and, like, seeking justice for others hmm. came later, which is... I remember I- mine. Oh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. In fifth grade, it was, like, a week before school ended. And my friends played with these like animal toys called Littlest Pet Shop. Oh, yep. yep. And I (laughs) didn't like them. So I didn't like them at all. But that's all they would play with. Mm. And so they wouldn't let me play with them because I didn't have one, even though they all had like multiple. And I was like, well, can't you share? Because you're not using them. And they're like, well, we are using them. So you can't play with us. And... We, my friend Kaylee and I, who was already a problem, um, (laughs) (laughs) we like, she was already kind of like someone, I remember this girl named Danielle was like, well, she's your best friend, but you're not her best friend. Mm. And that had only been like a little bit earlier. And so it was the first time, not the first time I'd ever been ditched at a recess, but we were eating And Kaylee and I would often sign up to like wipe the tables down because it was fun and we got to go to the front of the lunch line. Hmm. Um, And she left me and she wasn't there. And so I was not supposed to um, do like another duty. We were just supposed to wipe the tables. But I was like, well, I'm done wiping the tables and Kaylee's gone. And so I'll help with the trash now. So I was helping with like the bringing the recycling bins in and stuff. And the janitor at the time, Mr. Spence, was like, you don't, you weren't signed up to do this. You don't have to. Don't you want to go play with your friends? And I was like, no, I'm going to stay here and help. And I remember so vividly. I also think this might have been the time that just kind of like set me on like a real downward emotional spiral in general. But I remember standing there like I can picture where I was I can picture just like looking down at the little trash bins and thinking like well they don't need me so I don't need them Hmm. Hmm. and that was true for like a really long time and I think that's also kind of the beginning of like the social blind because like I know I'm not like a social Hmm. um instinctual thing because like this whole time I was like well Hmm. I don't need them and they don't need me and they don't need to know that I don't need them because that'll just make it worse. Wow. Very Rebecca. deep wow. and heavy. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. 
That was yeah. really vulnerable. I resonate with that. Mm. Thanks. I've been working on it. <laughs> Yay! Vulnerability for the, the journey of the Enneagram. The journey of the Enneagram. I mean, that's so healing, though, to even just name that because that is, you know, when we talk about the Enneagram, we don't just want to talk about it in terms of like finding your personality. It's like this is a tool to then help us heal. And so just like you being vulnerable and naming that is like in itself, like a beautiful healing thing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I think we're going to read the emergence, emergence of, of essence. essence, but we should just say thank you to our guests. Major thank you. This yous. is, it's, it's, it's been too short. Like we could talk for another hour or two and we like talking to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun time. We love eights. Our eights my favorite number. I don't know. It seems that they are. I think they yeah. may be. They think I don't they think I have a favorite. I have some ones I kind of steer clear from. Oh, I'm pretty sure you <laughs> said in another cool. podcast you steer clear from eights. No, no, no. I don't. Be I don't. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I like eights a lot. I like eights a lot. I like. I do like. Um, I do like sevens and eights. Threes are are hit or miss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, every type is hit or miss. Every I'm just saying general. Miss. Which is funny general. because I think eights, some people, whenever I listen to like a podcast or something, they'll talk about how eights have like a bad reputation. But I think I'm just so in awe of eights, like willingness to step out into the world so confidently that there's something about that I'm so inspired by that that, that is probably why I'm like drawn towards eights because mm. I, yeah. I can sense in myself that there's something essential in the eights confidence that i need i need yeah. and so like i can learn from that yeah now yeah. i've said i like truth and i like honesty mm. and i oftentimes i don't have the best and easiest time expressing that but i can definitely handle it mm. so like it, you know like when rebecca said i when she said in her interview <laughs> she's like I, I just go right into conflict i was like oh great that's what i i, I can handle that like yeah Anybody can come at me and start yelling and telling me how mad they are at me. And I'm like, oh, okay, but great. I never yelled at you. No, I just want to clarify. No, yeah, I've never yelled at you. But there are, there are certain ways where you would just say sort of a, a strong, bold opinion and just like stare at me. Like, like really it typically would be an intimidating moment. I'm like, wow. Um, I don't recall. I don't recall. Well, it's, just, it's just the water you exist in. It's just the way because it happens so often. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we can go I think, into yeah, my I opinions think, on all the types. Yeah, <laughs> we should just. I don't. Yeah. I don't think I have a favorite. Um, but Macy does. Everybody. Do We've I? I mean, now I'm like. It sh- I mean, I know I've always thought it's unethical to say I have a favorite, but I still think it's funny. Oh, yeah, sure. We're we're trying to also <laughs> balance true some seriousness. <laughs> Obviously, there's been some stories shared on this episode that are yeah. that are vulnerable, but we also try to be lighthearted. So go ahead and have a little lighthearted moment and say (laughs) they're your favorite types. (laughs) Mixed bag. Okay, so what's going to happen is we'll read the Emergence of Essence and then the Enneagram 8 Sleeping at Last podcast song will come on. Which, can we put it in pretty loud? Sleeping at Last. Sure. Because when Ryan wrote this, he wanded wanted people to listen to it at like a high intensity. Crank it up in your car. In honor of the AIDS. Punch your roof. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Pump your fist in the air to the He song. has some knuckles cracking yeah. inside of it yeah. in the song. He does? Mm-hmm. Is that what the it's sound is the for the eights? It's one of the well, fingerprints. It's one of the sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Knuckles cracking. Okay, everybody. Here comes the emergence of essence. For all you eights out there, we hope you appreciate this. For all we those that who have an eight in your life, uh, here's here's what we're hoping and praying for and embracing and um, longing for for eights. Mm. Emergence of essence, right? Yeah. 
Okay, here it comes. In their deepest self, eights remember the simple joy of existence, the exquisite satisfaction of being alive, especially at the primal instinctive level. They still have some degree of contact with the purity and power of the instinctual responses and remind us that these, too, are part of the divine order. Without a real connection to the wellspring of our native instincts, we are cut off from the basic fuel we need for our transformation. The essential core of the eight cuts through the falsehoods and niceties of the personality, bringing forth a simple, unconscious self, embodiment of the truth. Oscar Ecaso called this quality innocence, and in a way, eights also longed for the innocence they knew as children, an innocence they felt they had to leave behind in order to be strong. Eights also expressed the innocence of the natural order, the innocence in which all creatures in the world manifest their nature. Mm. Cats innocently function as cats, even as they stalk their prey. Mm. Birds innocently function as birds, and fish as fish. It is humankind alone that seems to have lost touch with this innate capacity. We could say that the essential nature of AIDS reminds us of what it is like to be completely human, living beings functioning as part of a vast, perfectly balanced natural order. When AIDS give up their own willfulness, they discover the divine will. Instead of trying to have power through the assertion of their egos, they align themselves with divine power. Instead of a me-against-the-world attitude, they see that they have a role to play in the world, which, if followed wholeheartedly, could earn them a place of immortality among the great heroes and saints of history. The liberated eight has the power to inspire others to be heroic as well, influencing people possibly for centuries. Eights also remember the omnipotence and strength that comes from being part of the divine reality. The divine will is not the same as willfulness. As eights understand this, they end their war with the world and discover that the solidarity, power, and independence that they have been seeking are already here. They are a part of their true nature as they are a part of the true nature of every human being. When they experience this deeply enough, they are able to relax fully into being, feeling effortlessly at one with the world and with the unfolding mystery of life. I remember the was just a kid who grew up strong enough to pick this armor up and suddenly fit. God, that was so long ago, long ago, long ago. I was little, I was weak and perfectly naive, and I grew up to hurt. Now you all that I have to lose And all I've lost in the fight to protect it I won't let you in I swore never again I can't afford, no, I refuse to be rejected I want to break these bones till they're better I wanna break them right and feel alive. You were wrong, you were wrong, you were wrong. My healing needed more than time. When I see fragile things, helpless things, broken things, I see the familiar. I was little, I was weak, I was perfect too. Now I'm a broken mirror. But I can't let you see all that I have. 
Yeah. I feel like I didn't get to say any of the funny things I wanted to say. Like, <laughs> every time I get drunk, I want to fight someone. Or <laughs> oh. Wow. Yes. Or how I'm going to live forever, and I actually think I mean it now. You want to live forever? Who doesn't want to live forever, Hannah? So many people. That means <laughs> It's okay, though, because I'm going to take over the world, and no one can stop me. I don't need friends when I'm that high up. Oh, my God. <laughs> do, you watch, do you watch anime? I do, yeah. Do you watch that? Have you seen Death Note? I do. I don't remember who the character's eyes been since middle school. He's the main guy. He's like, I'm going to be the god of the new world. Yeah, 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 the one who gets all the... some of the other funny things you would have said? Uh, it was situational. It wouldn't make okay. sense if I just said them right now. Okay. Like you were going to tell some stories? I do have some really funny stories, yeah. These are characters that we're introducing to the podcast. I love to say, like, wow. we have Rebecca back on. Rebecca back on. <laughs> like, it would really, I think the next round, 
after we go through all the numbers, there's going to be wings. Yeah. Like, we'll start with... And we'll do that, and we'll do a four-wing five episode. We can discuss those. Oh, you don't want to do wings? I don't know. That's a long, that's a big endeavor. It's 18 episodes. That's oh, no, yeah, but I was thinking a five-episode focus on the wings. So we'll do five-wing four, five-wing six in one episode. I see. Yeah. I see. That's, mm. that kind of like almost what we just did with the variants. Yeah. Almost yeah, a little yeah. intentional. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. All right, Rebecca, we're huge fans of yours. I'm huge fans of yours. <laughs> okay, feel free to call me anytime. Okay. Bye. Good night. I will. Oh no. That sounds terrible. Look at this tech. Ooh, we did it. We did it. I think she sounded better. I think Christina was in a really weird place and the sound was just janky. Like she was smooth. I didn't hear any hiccups or